Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Michelin Le Mans Cup on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. The thing is, there's a thunderstorm sort of working its way past the circuit, and the bulk of it, I think, might now be working its way just alongside Red Bull Ring. So we might not get the thunder and the lightning. We've definitely got the rainfall, but I don't know. Having not really seen a latest forecast, it seems to be changing all the time. Whether this rain is set in now for the rest of the day, i.e. 4 o'clock through till 6 o'clock, which is what, what this race is timetable for, or whether we might get a spell of dry weather running for maybe like the last 20 minutes or so and that could really add a sting to the tail what do you reckon graham yeah good afternoon everybody it was uh, really sudden uh, you know a downpour wasn't it mm. uh, led to the uh, early cessation of the race before this a formula runner race got the safety car and then rapidly red flagged as the well turn three looked wet and nothing else and we're all wondering just what uh, race control were up to the next time you looked out the window you couldn't see out the window it was absolutely torrential uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting, and particularly potentially for um, one or two of these cars, particularly the one that's got Alex Capardia at the wheel, because three teams have opted to start not with their bronze driver for this race. And I think in these conditions, that might prove to be a massive advantage if it stays green. And that's the, that's the absolute key here. If it stays green and the quicker drivers can make progress, it's a big advantage, particularly a big advantage for uh, Alex Capardia because he's way down the grid. They need to make progress up through the order. So do I think the, the weather's going to clear up? Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, all around us are broken cloud with blue skies beyond. I think we are going to get drier weather, which means with the majority of the quick drivers to come in the second half of this race, Johnny Palmer, it's going to get pretty quick. Now, you've mentioned starting driver. That's not a decision that can be left to the very last minute because I'm holding a document here that was signed off at five past nine this morning stipulating who is going to be starting each of the cars. So very much a decision that started uh, at the top end of the day when forecasts could be observed but not, not, not be, uh, be relied upon. And before we knew who had actually uh, qualified the cars. Uh, yeah, and that too. Um, and obviously... Who qualifies the cars? Slightly more easy decision to make because so, it has what to I be. Meant was, what I meant was where the cars had qualified. That was uh, that was me misspeaking in a well, yes. uh, traditional fashion at the well, moment well, in no, geopolitics. But, but you, <laughs> you are correct though in the sense that we haven't had the qualifying session by nine o'clock this morning. That happened uh, just before midday. So uh, yeah, cars uh, had uh, not decided where they were going to start and. Ideally, from a team's perspective, you want to be deciding who's taking charge of the car for the opening stint a little closer to the race than this. But it's all part of the regulations and to ensure that everyone's decision is made at the same time. That's information submitted, I believe, on Friday night, and it all comes out on the same bulletin the following morning. Still raining, and, uh, but not nearly what we saw, what, just 20 minutes, 25 minutes ago, uh, Johnny, when it was just stair-rodding down um, the microclimate here in the Styria Mountains were pretty renowned, uh, but that was very extreme indeed. We had had uh, what turned out to be an extremely accurate weather forecast that said to expect a thunderstorm rolling on through. Boy, did it do so. Stumped its great big size 14s all over the place, and there was rolls of thunder as we walked back over to the commentary booth 
take our positions for this race. I think this is going to be very, very interesting indeed. Uh, this is the uh, Kuriakos car. That's uh, Sven standing by it. And that is a quick shot of race control. Eduardo Freitas there uh, in front of Yannick Dalmas, four times Le Mans winner, standing at the back of the room. Yes, Eduardo, four from the left, or sort of level with Dalmas with the uh, headset on. And deep in conversation, I'm sure, with the rest of his race control crew, but also the marshals, who we must thank, as we try and do every weekend, for their uh, invaluable efforts, often here on a voluntary basis, more often than, than not, indeed. And uh, that's great when it's sunny, when it's weather like this, less than pleasant. And it's their information that they feed back to Eduardo about how the track is, whether there's any standing water that can go to, to basically make Eduardo reach a decision as to how we start this race. I suppose it could be started behind a safety car if there's too much standing water. And the idea behind that is you get cars running round the track, 26 of them all being well, and that just helps to clear the water to an extent. Also gets everyone used to the current conditions, and then you can go racing maybe on lap three or four. But the question always is then, when you start a race behind a safety car, how long do you leave it? Well, I guess the, the, the key to it is this. What are you looking to achieve by starting the race under a safety car? Is it a matter of just letting the, the drivers assess conditions and, and bed themselves into that? Is it actually race control looking to assess those conditions? Yes. Uh, or have they got... Uh, they've clearly had an extremely good weather forecast uh, because they were very quick with intervention in that previous race. Impressive stuff. Had they left it for another half a lap, we'd have seen real trouble with the uh, Formula Renault cars all out on slick tyres and, frankly, utterly treacherous in just seconds flat. Mm. So they clearly are pretty well across uh, the conditions that not only we've got right now but what we can expect and how, how soon. But uh, I would imagine that we're, what we're looking at here is, at the very least, additional sighting laps. But my guess is we might well hear from race control that they might start this for a short period at least under a safety car. Difference here, of course, is that the teams are well drilled with their pit stops. They will have uh, new tyres ready, both of the dry and the wet variety. The next question is, is there an intermediate tyre in the Michelin Cup? OK, well, so we think it's one of two decisions to be made. Clearly has to be wet tyres to start the race. But if it gets dry enough, and I have to say the skyline doesn't look too promising, there's a fair bit of mist further up the Styrian Valley. But uh, should we reach a, an area, a pocket of better weather, as Leonard Hugenboom gives the thumbs up, well, he's very, very happy after Jens Pettersson's performance in qualifying earlier on. Not quite good enough for pole position, but he came blooming close and left it very, very late indeed to set his time. Jens Pettersson's effort was a 127.469, which was within five hundredths of a second. Confirmation on screen. Race start will be done on the safety car procedures. I think that's probably pretty wise, actually. Bearing in mind the vast majority of the field are the bronze drivers. Uh, conditions are completely different to anything these guys have actually seen for the race weekend. Uh, thus far, it's the right decision. There's confirmation then. Fabian Leverne will start the number 30 CD sport car alongside Jens Pettersson, a car I mentioned. The second row, Adrian Schiller Graf and the 79 Ikuria Coscar. The third row, Brazilian driver Sergio Passia alongside Tony Wells. Wells on the inside, so therefore fifth position for him alongside the Graf car number 65 of Passia. And then in the fourth row, it'll be Adrian Truier also for Graf. They're here with three cars this weekend and the cool racing ended number 24 of Antonin Borger, the Swiss driver. 
on the fifth row. It will be on the uh, inside of the fifth row, Najaf Hussein and Mike Benham after a good performance in qualifying, although we think for that team a failed drive shaft. They were still trying to work out what the problem was for the 25. That would have been fixed, though. 11th and 12th, John Ferrano and Johan Boris uh, Shire. We also have Jerry Kraut on the uh, seventh row and the two DB Autosport cars back on row eight, cars 20 and 21. They are ahead of James Maguire in the number 22 car. And then the best of the GT3 machines, Krypton Motorsports, Mercedes AMG, managing to uh, qualify in 18th position. That's a ninth row start for Marco Zanutini, making his debut as of the team in the championship this meeting. And we're four races in now. Richard Mines and Alex Capardi will start from the 10th row. Watch the number 59 RLRM Sport car, though, work its way through the order. Capardia is quicker than the drivers around him, and he's also got quite a lot of GT3 cars as well. The championship leader in GT3 is the number 8 Kessel Racing car. Sergio Pianazzola will start second in class. That's the skies over to the west at the moment. That's the way the, the weather is coming just at the moment, so clearer weather on the way. And when it's warm here this weekend, it's been very, very warm, and we might well see sections of this track drying out very quickly indeed. It's going to be tippy-toe stuff at some point if that starts to happen, Johnny. Uh, you mentioned, by the way, the 59 car. Uh, that's car making its season debut in the Michelin Le Mans Cup after Ross Warburton uh, recovered from quite a nasty shoulder injury. So they're making a bit of a late uh, start to the season. Alex Capardi will start the car, Ross Warburton will complete the race. I seem to recall them having a very good run here last year. OK, well, it, it, I know it's a track that uh, Alex enjoys racing on, and I saw him briefly at lunchtime and says, actually, now Ross is back from his injury, seems to be quicker than ever. So it may have done him a favour and to give him some thinking time. Uh, and it's possible to do maybe a little bit of mentoring, even when they're not when he's not in the car. I know he was at Paul Ricard, even though he wasn't driving and learning all the time. Yeah, the EMS team, ever loyal, ever hardworking, looking slightly soggy, it has to be said, but no less glamorous than always. The smiles are still there. The smiles are still there. They the love key, what they do. They love it. They yes. love it. And out in all weathers, as are the marshals, the brave marshals here at Red Bull Ring. So back to the front row. And that was mighty close at the end, wasn't it, in qualifying? Yes. Just thousands of a second between the top two. Then they're adjusting tyre pressures on the number two car. Yeah, looking after more and more cars is Sven for Ikuria Kos slash Nielsen. Yeah, five cars they had at the Road to Le Mans uh, effort. That was uh, my. <laughs> I know that uh, Sven and Roger Bennett, team manager, uh, well, pulled in all directions that weekend, but uh, came out smiling despite all of that. Roger, family holiday this weekend, so the team. Again, slightly stretched, but Akuriakos Nielsen, one of those teams, Johnny Palmer, that uh, through LMP3 has found a way into international sports car racing. Yes, yeah, and seemingly the only way is up now with those guys who continue to gain momentum, not only, as you say, in the number of cars they bring to a race meeting, but also as they gain more and more success, then future clients can see them racing and performing well succeeding and winning trophies too and will be one of the first teams therefore to perhaps receive a phone call from their next customer 
Bill Racing, another team on the up and uh, enjoying their season with a shadow of a doubt. Uh, another one of the teams, by the way, that introduced a Norma chassis into the mix from the Le Mans race onwards. And we're now at the stage where it's uh, nine Normas, 11 Ligiers for this grid. Almost 50-50 split. And the Norma generally is quicker down the straights, but the Ligier has a chance of catching it up uh, through the twisty stuff, of which there's quite a lot of that uh, at this Red Bull circuit. So it's uh, certainly Norma that have the advantage from qualifying, but let's see how they behave in the wet. It might be very differently. Yeah, that was the number, this is number 25 car, the London Racing car, the latest race winner, of course, in the series, courtesy of race two win at the Road to Le Mans on this morning at the Le Mans 24 hours. Spent a bit of time with... Duncan Tappy and Mike Benham over lunch. Still got his smile on from that. Well, the team, I'm sure, have been very, very busy between uh, qualifying and this point, having to fix the car. And Mike was still unsure at that stage whether it was definitely a drive shaft issue. We, Graham and I, saw it smoking out of turn number one, realised something was up. And then a little bit later on around the lap for Benham, the car was dramatically slowing. Managed to limp back to the pit lane, but that was all she wrote as far as uh, action in the qualifying session was concerned. And the time, good enough then to put that car 10th, car 25. Mike actually pointing out that despite that win at Le Mans, they have not finished a two-hour race yet this season. Dramas, as there have been for a number of uh, contenders for the London Racing Team. Quick shots of Canadian driver John Ferrano. It's the five-minute quarter show. It's not an LMP3 car, by the way, going to jump at everybody else. That is a glorious Aston Martin, DB11. They pull a course with a strategic alliance with Aston Martin. Their course cars here, apart from that glorious make. Yep, so it is getting brighter, without a shadow of a doubt, getting brighter. And the rain still coming down, but uh, theoretically should be getting lighter as the sky gets a little brighter as well. So... Yeah, there's the hope for a dry race by the end of it is fair, I would say. Just to explain the Aston Martin thundering off into the distance, that, I believe, was Yannick Dalmas. Now, Yannick is not the safety car driver. He is the race director's advisor. So he will be assessing track positions to let um, Eduardo Freitas know what he's finding out. We could see some standing water coming down there to turn three. This is Yannick. I'm sure regular endurance racing followers will remember Yannick in the Audi safety car at Le Mans not that many years ago, showing where there was and wasn't grip. Drifting the car around the Le Mans circuit, and I'm sure feeding back to Eduardo, but having a thoroughly good time yes. while he was doing it. Oh, without a doubt. And uh, this is a, a perfect opportunity then for a racing driver to establish the conditions. There's argument that uh, Yannick is sitting quite a bit higher up in the car than you would be in an LMP3 machine, but nevertheless, it's a good indication as to how much grip is, the, is out there at the moment and then how much there's likely to develop as more and more cars work their way around a track. I mean, the advantage is this is a relatively short circuit, so cars are going through the corners more regularly. And hopefully, then, if the rain has fully eased off, it should dry up rather quickly. Reference to uh, some sort of football tournament on the front of uh, the CD Sport car, I notice. No idea what they're talking about. 
although it's a Spanish entry, so it's a strange reference, but it was definitely a French flag on the front left wing of the car. So Yannick Dalmas uh, pits, four-time Le Mans winner, will be uh, hot foot into race control to directly feed back to Eduardo Freitas and the team about what he's found, where the worst conditions are. There certainly are a couple of places where there is water across the track. Uh, that is, of course, a major problem. If there's anybody out there on slick tyres, that will not be the case with the weather that will start this race. The race will start under safety car conditions. And as is always the case, safety will come first. But Eduardo always feels the pressure to get the race going proper under green flag conditions. But he will be wary of the experience levels of the majority of this grid, without a shadow of a doubt at this point. Remember, each of these cars has got another driver to come. In the vast majority of cases, it's a more experienced and, in many cases, professional driver. Yes, you can count the cars that are starting with their non-bronze on one hand. It is uh, the 39 Graf car, the 40, no, the 59 RLRM Sport car that we've already mentioned with Alex Capardia at the wheel and Johan Boris Shire, the Frenchman for N-Race, will take charge of the 99 car and that will be from 12th position. So this is the view across the grid on the second row with Alistair McCaig in car 79 alongside Adrian Schiller to the inside of that second row. Drying out the rain cape there from oh, yes. uh, one of the... That's uh, the, uh, I think that's one of the intervention teams. Um, confirmation, by the way. From one minute board on the grid. One minute board on the grid. Gentlemen, you may start your engines and please clear the grid. Gentlemen, you may start your engines. Please clear the grid. And clear the track of rain would be a, an idea too. That would be nice, too. wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, confirmation, by the way, from uh, media delegate for the uh, series, Jeff Carter, and indeed for Michelin, that there is one... Uh, one type of dry tyre one type of wet tyre and that is it, there are okay. no intermediates available here, mm. so you're either risking one or the other and that might end up being a very very big call, depending on what track conditions are like when we get into the pit window here. There'll be a very small performance window which sits on the overlap between when a wet tyre is no good anymore and suddenly the slick tyre will be quicker but how you judge that when you're on the move when every lap is getting gradually better I mean some one team will go for it and then everybody else will pay attention they will be the guinea pig and it's a dangerous game pitting first but somebody's got to do it here's the question we talked a little earlier about the relative performance characteristics of the normal Ligier chassis I can't remember seeing the Normas racing the wet. OK. Well, we so not under concerted conditions. Now, bear in mind that uh, we know that they're quicker in a straight line, but we know the Ligiers generally tend to be better in the twisty stuff, which means the downforce levels are somewhat better. Mm -hmm. That would tend to indicate the Ligiers should be better in the rain. The fifth race of the year is underway because the clock has started to tick down and this first lap, which will be counted to the the full lap distance is behind the safety car now how many of these safety car laps are we going to get i would guess it's more than one but possibly not a lot more and the light bar is 
illuminated on the ball on the Porsche that leads these cars then up to the second corner at Remus. It's Fabien Leverne who is on double duty this weekend, his first experience of the European Le Mans series, and Leverne signed up by CD Sport for the Michelin Le Mans Cup as well, driving the Norma from Jens Pettersen, who leads the championship with Leonard Hugenboom. Leonard will take charge of that car somewhere between 55 and 65 minutes in this race and the pit stops can't be as quick as you like they have to be 135 seconds or 2 minutes 15 so it, it, that ensures that uh, no press it, process is necessarily rushed like the driver change, like the tyre change as well we've already had one loose wheel today in the ELMS we don't want any more but the water is pouring off the back of the Brook Speed car John Showerman that's an opt apt surname, <laughs> isn't, isn't it? Uh, well, it for it, the Brookspeed car, that will start from 21st position. It's a great example of, by the way, one of the things that you can't gain from putting Yannick Delmas out there in a single car, which is there are two things about this. Clearly, there's grip levels. There's also the level of spray uh, and therefore visibility that we're going to see here. And this does give no doubt at all that Eduardo and his team will be watching these TV pictures as well to just see what the conditions are like for the driver's uh, we've now got bright sunshine around most of the circuit by the way uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how quickly this track starts to dry out if indeed it does uh, safety car lights stay on it's going to be easily at least two laps I'm sure because either way they certainly would have had a second green flag lap uh, for, for this but um, it's tippy toe at the moment yellow flag is displayed out of Red Bull Mobile it uh, looks to be drying up certainly in the higher parts of the track and also for Stalpine looked slightly better as well now the Adrian Schiller car slowed up a little bit but only because it was wanting to get out of the spray thrown up by Jens Pettersen's DKR engineering Norma three Norma M30s at the front then the best Ligier is qualified in fourth position that's Alistair McCaig's Akuria Kost Nielsen Ligier JSP3 and the Tony Wells Akuria Kost car starts not quite alongside it just behind it on the third row That's visibility a, that is a great dreadful. example of what exactly what we're just talking about and exactly why you've got these high intensity rain lights on the rear of the cars yeah as the cars exit the first corner it's, it's the red lights that pierce through the gloom and there's that much spray between turns one and two it's almost like a low cloud that you often get in this part of the world but brighter at the top of the hill so the run across the top of this circuit in Spielberg between Remus and Rauch will be slightly better, certainly for the leaders hopeless if you're in the spray though uh, for picking out those crucial breaking points and the lap round here starts with three hard braking areas into turn one into turn three as it's labelled on the track map although really it's turn two at Remus and then down at Rauch corner in front of that large grandstand and all three of those corners have actually uh, caught out entrance so far in free practice and in qualifying we're about to get into racing conditions where the stakes are higher and absolutely right look the spray goes right down towards the latter part of the lap and you can already start to see that that's a rather black area okay gentlemen please close the gaps gentlemen please close the gaps the line is getting a little bit too long we need the cars to be a little bit closer to each other we do have a safety car regulation which we should abide by. Absolutely right. And uh, yeah, the danger is, of course, that the line gets so long because there are 26 cars in this field. You'll get cars that are way, way back. And if they want to go for a race start, 
with very little warning it's going to take half a lap to get them all bunched back up again so better to have them reasonably condensed I can see why you'd naturally want to drop back from cars in front though because that's how you start to see where you're going absolutely uh, and that's kind of crucial uh, around here so one more lap at least this is lap three of the race safety car lights are off well that's encouraging as they are heading up the hill out of OMV corner and towards Remus then and something's happened further down the order the Mercedes turning right no, just okay. looking at conditions yeah it was just uh, actually a, a reminder of how bad the visibility is the Mercedes has this cushion of three LMP3 cars between Zanutini the driver of that AMG and everybody else in the GT3 category Sergio Pianazzola to start from second position in GT3 then from 22nd overall in the number eight Kessel Racing Ferrari then it is Venerossi in the EB Motors 88 Porsche I think the, cut, the safety car lights are back on okay Paolo Venerossi yes, at the wheel of that uh, third placed third place qualifying uh, qualified Porsche from EB Motors number 88 and completing the GT3s the 71 AF Corsa Ferrari started by Pier Giuseppe Perazzini Christoph Ulrich in the 51 Spirit of Race Ferrari and it's Claudio Schiaffoni in the other Kessel car the 77 Blue Ferrari with the lights turned off in an effort to try and bunch everybody up because they might think it's the start in a second and then uh, they were switched back on again. That's maybe an indication of just what a fine line it is for Eduardo Freitas and his team, though. You know, you might start a lap and think, oh, we might be OK the here. manager, car 59, marshals are reporting you have no headlights. The manager, car 59, 5-9, marshals are reporting the car has no headlights. That's car 59, no headlights. Or the driver turns them on, or we may have to bring in the car to repair. Please tell the driver to turn on the headlights. Well, that could be very easily solved because it's a switch that hasn't been switched or uh, it's some water that's got into the electrics. It's just combined. The lights were definitely on. Good. That's fine. So that is the number 59, by the way, is the RLR car with the red stripe as opposed to the regular car. The car's been in there for the season with the bronze stripe or the copper-coloured stripe. Yes, sometimes a headlight issue is very easily rectified and sometimes it's not, although in the modern era, in LMP1 category, you just change the nose of the car and that seems to rectify the headlight drama. Everybody back onto a new lap. This is lap four of the latest race of the year for the 2018 Michelin Le Mans Cup. And eight minutes into the race, of course, because the clock has been running. Um, my suggestion to you here is the 59 crew, RLR, will be possibly a little unhappy in the circumstances with their choice. We're starting Alex Capardia. This is burning his tie at the wheel. And you have to say that when this goes green, it's probably the most likely time for there to be some kind of incident to go to caution mm. to burn some more. True. So they've thrown the dice before and it's worked for them. In this instance, maybe a little less so. We'll wait and see. The car is coming in at the end of this lap. No overtaking before the line. No overtaking before the line. Safety car is coming in at the end of this lap. And this will be a safety car restart, or safety car start, i.e. the cars are nose to tail, rather than a race start where you're two abreast. So you cannot be 
overtaking or even attempting to be overlapping and the cars will start then in their safest configuration one after the other effectively but already getting a really good getaway is the cd sport car of fabian leverne and really it's down to him to dictate the pace so jens petterson's got to be careful here not to allow the cd sport norma to disappear up the road he has allowed that a little bit one car on the move though could be alistair mccaig who is right on the tail of adrian schiller this is the battle for third and fourth do they both get stopped at the omv corner uh, the first bend then uphill and you're breaking in the wet slightly off camber both did get through I'm pleased to say and Alice McKay is giving Adrian Schiller absolutely no pe uh, peace at all here up the hill towards Remus well, it's McKay, it's a very Scottish driver in the Akuri Cost team he'll be used to rain and uh, he's nibbling away at the rear end of that third place Norma so keep an eye on just how that evolves over this lap Drivers now getting their first chance to assess these conditions at racing speed, of course. The GTs find their way up to Remus Corner, and the 71 thinks about a move alongside the 88, which is Perazzini versus Paolo Venerossi, but Venerossi is able to stay in position, and in fact, there was an overtake between Ferraris there. That was Ulrich, I think, getting ahead of Perazzini on the exit of Remus Corner. And also the EB Motors Porsche going up the inside of John Schaumann in the Brooksmith International Ligier. The American just getting to grips with a rather different racing experience here this weekend. So CD Sport yet to get a podium result this year. We're already 10 minutes into the race and they lead by a decent margin. Three and a half seconds partway round lap five with the battle for third position still very much alive. Adrian Schiller versus Alistair McCaig, and Tony Wells is in the background He's waiting to it. get involved as well. So front wheels now of McCaig, level with Adrian Schiller's rears. They're going to cross the line almost together. If the race were to end on this lap, McCaig would get the judgment, but Schiller thinks he can break later in the Norma. Can he get the car turned in? It's very tight, but yes, just about. Side by side as well for another two of the Graf Racing cars. That is the 39 and the 65. McCaig, another bite of the cherry here, and Tony Wells is the next car in the sequence. Also not very far away is the is Anthony Borger for cool racing, almost to abreast at Remus Corner. You can run to abreast, but it often means a little bit of contact. There Borger. might have been a touch there. Borger has leapfrogged both of the Akuria Cost cars in that move, and now looks the man most likely. Yep, so across the top they go between Remus and Rauch corner. The race leader is disappearing up the road. 4.7 seconds now is the gap as this cluster of cars reaches Rauch corner. And we're now getting word that there will be a one-minute stop-and-go penalty for the number 24 car, who is Antonin Borger. The cool racing machine that's made all this progress is going to have to come down in the pit lane very shortly, Graham. That was a decision from earlier in the weekend, and I'm racking my brains as to exactly what that decision was about. But it was at the race director's discretion. Borger is aware that he's got to do that. He's looking to reduce the damage as much as he possibly can. It's not a penalty that's been earned in this race. It was earned earlier in the race meeting. I've got all the steward decisions here, so it's just a question of uh, filtering through. There were nine of them at the start of the uh, day, so there are many, and I will get to it. And a bit more housekeeping, by the way. Car number eight, that's the DKR Engineering, that's the Kessel Racing Car, apologies, is a steward's decision from the Road to Le Mans race. 
being served here. That will be a drive-through for the second-place car in GT. The Kessel Racing car at the moment in the hands of Sergio Pianazzola. Car 24 in free practice two. The facts, four tyres used on car 24 were not on the list given by Michelin for this event. And the result is a stop-and-go penalty of one minute to be served after the race director instructions. So basically as soon as you can in the race uh, and once it's okayed by Eduardo. So he would not want to have done that under safety car conditions, Eduardo Freitas. Now we're up and running. And nothing to do with his form in the race. And here is, uh, by the way, that's uh, Alex Capardia rumbling over and off uh, as he goes by. That's the two, that and the two DB Autosport cars, isn't it? Yeah. Side by side. Alex trying to deal with the number 21 car. Meanwhile, Adrian Schiller still under a load of pressure from the two Ligiers in the Acuria Cos colours. Antonin Borger, we can discount him in a little while because he will peel off to serve this one-minute pit stop penalty. But Borger's up to second place now on the road ahead of Jens Pettersson. So tremendous. Laverne is 8.3 seconds to the good here. Yes. Cracking run as Capardia does deal with the with the uh, 21 car. Now looking for the uh, for, to deal with the 20. That means Capardia is moving up now up to 15th position. But wants to make as much impact as he possibly can. There is the second place car, the cool racing car. Going to have to be in. I think it's the next lap. So running out of time in order to serve the penalty, which was um, assessed way before we started this race. One hour and 45 minutes to go. The Akuriakoskar still cannot find a way by uh, Adrian Schiller, but this has now become the fight for fourth position on the road. It will develop into third, remember. And Schiller, McKay, Wells, almost inseparable with Adrian Truyer, the next car in the sequence. That's car number 39, also from Graf. Michael Benham has made progress from his 10th place starting position up to eighth spot now. And then it is Shire for N-Race and John Ferrano for RLRM Sport 10th. Shot here the Krypton Racing AMG, leading GT. Second place car, as was the Kessel Racing car of Sergio Pinezzola, has taken that drive-through penalty, rejoins the race dead last. So new second place car is Christopher Ulrich, and he's in a bit of a scrap with the AF Corsa 71 cars, which fits 35 way ahead and 51-71. Spirit of Race, Christopher Ulrich and Pierre Giuseppe Prezzini in the AF Corsa car number 71. And in close contention too is the uh, Ibi Motors Porsche of Venerossi. Those three cars more or less nose to tail. Now very much on the move is the number 59 car. And where does that put? That's up to 12th now, so it's been a great lap from Alex Capardia. Yeah, getting ahead of... Najaf Hussein in that move. Hussein driving for United Autosports as on this lap, Antonin Borger peels off into the pit lane to serve the much-talked-about one-minute uh, penalty. And here is Antonin now in the cool racing colours, although uh, it's been into a revised colour scheme with a bit more black or carbon colour on that normally all-blue car. Very decaying engineering. Yes, it is and the, the mechanic suits almost a bit Duquesne as well there is a bit of a business link uh, and a strategic alliance there and Duquesne Engineering of course looking after the Norma build programme now 31 of those cars now sold I believe 
Now, Tony Wells and Alistair McKay starting to battle amongst themselves here rather than working together to try and reel back in Adrian Schiller. Or maybe they've worked out that Tony's generally a bit quicker than Alistair around this Spielberg circuit, but McKay is defending stoutly into Rauch corner. Has he overdone it a little bit there? Little slide there. Yeah. Whether there was something chucked up by the car there, or I don't think there was anything falling off, but maybe some tyre pickup or some debris that's been brought onto the track that was flipped up by McKay into turn six they go and down this short section into louder corner these are the leading Ligiers in the overall fight there goes the cool racing car now drops of course to the back of the pack so it's Levan for CD Sport in the 30 Norma leads the race by 14 seconds now from Jens Pedersen in the number three DKR engineering car Adrian Chiller in the number 40 Graf Racing at Norma so it's a normal one two three is around a second back from Jens Pettersen, then a further uh, second astray are the duelling the courier cost Nielsen Ligiers. That's your top five. Mike Benham, meanwhile, another place up to seventh. Yep, continuing to make strides is Michael Benham, who shares with Duncan Tappy. The crews in the pit lane are still glued to uh, weather forecasts, by the way, and I'm sure there are differing forecasts, which doesn't really help. Coming through turn one, by the way, zero spray now. It is mm. going to dry very quickly, and we are about 40 minutes from the pit window. And the prediction is uh, zero rain, seemingly, for the next, uh, well, certainly half an hour or so. So this is a chance then for the teams to maybe work a little bit of strategy as Benham runs a touch wide, coming out of Remus' corner. In sixth now, having gone past the end race, uh, Ligier. So it's now... Uh, Mike Benham is, what, four seconds back from the two Akuria cost cars. We have one hour and 40 minutes remaining. Top of the hill, still very wet with still plenty of spray. But as you get into the latter part of the lap, we saw this before, air temperature now at around 22 degrees. It's warming up rapidly. And uh, we're going to see this track dry very quickly. And I think we're going to see cars having to pit for slicks before too very much longer. Something else that might be about to happen is Alex Capardia to overtake his teammate John Ferrano. They're separated by just 0.3 of a second now, and Ferrano will not make that difficult to allow Alex through. Obviously, the strategy from RLRM Sport was to put Alex, the quicker driver between he and Ross Warburton, in to try and gain some ground in the opening stint, and then for Ross Warburton to bring it home in probably a 55-minute stint. That strategy's gone a little bit out of the window because we had 10 minutes of safety car at the start of this race when Alex could have been working his way up the order side by side again this is Michael Benham on the right the driver's oh. left and there's a little bit of a shoulder barge there into the corner the end race machine made the corner Benham struggled that was, that was uh, elbows out that was the 99 car retaking the position and so, that was Mike trying to turn in yes it was and he had little choice but to uh, make slight contact there with the 99 car of Johan Boris Shire who was totally within his rights to defend the corner and Shire was able to turn right through OMV uh, John Ferrano still ahead of Alex Capardia this is now a battle for ninth position so predictably Alex making good progress up through the field it's mainly bronze drivers out at the moment but that doesn't uh, in any way undervalue the efforts making his way up into the top 10 next target the car with the copper strike there's the red car red stripe car that is the 59 of Alex Capardia 
That is eighth, ninth, and tenth together. Adrian Twillier, 39 Graf, Norma, then the two RLR Ligiers. At the front, though, Laverne is just powering away. 138-1, the fastest race lap last time around. A four, a three-second quicker than anybody other than the two RLR cars. And he's now 20 seconds up the road in effectively 20 minutes. Yeah, and uh, graded a bronze, but clearly a, a, bit, a fair bit quicker than uh, your average bronze driver. But uh, that's perfectly within the regulations, and he is making hay whilst the sun tries to shine here in Austria. Uh, Alison McKaig, meanwhile, has broken away from uh, Tony Wells and is closing on this pair. This is the battle for second. Uh, Jens Pettersson in the orange number three car loses second position to the number 40 of Adrian Schiller. Well, this plays very nicely into the hands of Laverne as well. The team will, I'm sure, be communicating to him that everybody behind is changing positions as Alex Capardia now finally gets ahead of John Ferrano. He's been and trying to do that for a number of laps. And he's got ahead of the 39 as well. Ferrano's also well, taken that move. Yeah, the two of them must have got by because certainly Ferrano and uh, Capardia were nose to tail for several laps. So Ferrano stays ninth, Trouillet drops to tenth, and uh, this is going to be the move. It's a double move by the look of it. So up the inside was Ferrano, who then ran wide a little and getting a much better run out of the first corner was Alex Capardia, who was able to take advantage of Adrian Truillet's poor line at turn one. And he also got by John Ferrano. There was probably an element of the Canadian allowing the Brit through, though, knowing that they are teammates. Into team battle here. This is 17th position. Richard Means and Jim Maguire into the United Autosport trio. The Golf Marine liveried car ahead, 23 for Richard and uh, Jim Maguire in the aero paint uh, liveried car. Both lovely liveries, both done in aero, by the way. This is this kind of uh, it's, it's a, a kind of paint substitute that comes in sheets like a vinyl mm. but weighs a lot less. Clever, really clever. All the rage these days. Uh, Krypton Motorsport continue to lead the GT3 category with Marco Zanutini, who wasn't the guy that qualified that car, but nevertheless, Zanutini, who is a bronze-graded driver, making uh, some a decent gap now on Christoph Ulrich. So things have changed around a little bit in GT3 from how they qualified. 35 leads, 51 and 71. And those two, by the way, the two Ferraris pulling away from the Motors Porsche, dropping back a little here. This is the Krypton car. And it's putting pressure on Naj Hussein. This is a battle for 15th overall. Looks to me like the Mercedes is going to go through. Try. Oh, no, no, past a pocket on the apex. Worried a little bit, I think, that maybe the prototype driver hadn't seen him. Najaf Hussein maybe concentrated on the apex of the corner rather than a move up the inside from the Mercedes. So that car, as I mentioned, qualified by a different driver, Stefano Pazuki, making an impact on the Michelin Le Mans Cup earlier on today, setting a very good time indeed. That Mercedes continues to lead as these Ferraris head into Rauch Corner with They've now 71. Position. They've changed position. Ahead yep. of 51, and this is why it happened. The 51 Ferrari running way, way out wide at Remus Corner. So here's Giuseppe Perazzini. Now it leads Christoph Ulrich. AF Corsa ahead of Spirit of Race. The two in-house teams. Different 
licenses for those two teams, but uh, very A, of course, a feel. Big slide there from, I think that's the 99N race car. Getting a good run, though, on now the third-place car is Alistair McCaig, and he's been in this situation for a fair while now, trying to get by the number three machine. Can he do it into Remus Corner? Very late on the brakes is Alistair McCaig, and allows Jens Pedersen not to pull into line at all. But that's allowed it, that, that uh, Pettersson's just stumbled through the corner has allowed the end race car onto his rear end as well. Schneier has dealt with Tony Wells, now looking to see what he can do by Jens Pettersson. Mikey Benham, meanwhile, has just lost a position behind to the charging Alex Capardia. So that's Capardia in relation to that not lead group because there's a further 25 seconds now for the CD Sport car ahead, but uh, it's not going to be long before Capardia is with this group. Jens Pettersson a little bit wide through turn six, so that meant that the 99 car gained yet more ground, and this is Johan Boris Shire, remember, a silver-graded driver, so should theoretically be quicker than Jens Pettersson, and Shire has worked his way up the order as well. So the 99 car, where did that qualify? 12th position. That's great progress from the 99, and he's made that, that move stick at the inside. Fourth place there. So Jens Pettersson beginning to struggle as this track dries out. Looking now for the wetter areas, these cars. Looking to see what they can do to preserve these wet tyres for as long as they possibly can. Yeah, but the Michelin wet tyre obviously designed to be run in wet weather. It will start now to be overheating slightly, and the blocks that form the tyre surface will become more and more like jelly. They will start to move around on the tyre and give you far less grip. But the question still remains, when do we come in to change tyres? You want to try and stay out as long as possible, try and do tyres really as you do the driver change, but the driver change can't be done officially until you reach 55 minutes. We're barely half an hour in. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? You don't want a tyre failure. But it's going to get to the stage where we're not far away from it. it uh, these tyres are clearly now out of their operating window. It's now a matter of survival, and that's why the GT car is finding it easier. Less reliant, of course, on the aerodynamic grip. That was now to say finally overtaken by Marco Zanutini, and that was at the same corner that Marco tried it a lap ago. Meanwhile, the eight Ferrari, which is the championship leader, struggling a little bit down in fifth position in the GT3 category. Sergio Pianazzola caught up behind Paolo Venerossi in the Porsche. This after that drive-through penalty, remember, at the start of the race. Was that, no, it was Schiavone, wasn't it? It was Schiavone that got the penalty. No, it wasn't. It was the eight. It was the eight. OK. Um... Yes, we have had two cars pit. We know all about Antonin Borger doing his one-minute stop-and-go because of an infringement surrounding Michelin tyres. And Pianazzola, yes, came in for a drive-through. Had to come in for a drive-through. So the eight car with some recovery work to do as far as the championship is concerned. Fifth place, but trying to eye up fourth with Paolo Venerossi just ahead for EB Motors. Capardia already with Pettersson and looking for a way by now. The fifth position. So it's been a great run up the field from the 59 car. And again goes to the apex. Pettersson forced to dry effectively on the outside. That put Tony Wells back in a position where he can get stuck in. 
So Fabian Leverne leads by nearly 30 seconds now over Adrian Schiller and John Boris Shire. But let's uh, get a word from the 25 crew. This is Duncan Tappy now with Charlie George. Yeah, and Dan here at Lannan Racing with Duncan. Duncan, it's such tricky conditions today, isn't it? Particularly for the gentleman drivers. What, what do you tell Michael before he went out today? Uh, pretty much like I always tell him, keep it on the black stuff. But uh, I have every faith that that's what he will do. Um, he's being conservative out there with some good pace as well. So that's the name of the game, really. Try and bring it back in. And this time, hopefully, I won't uh, end up somewhere I shouldn't. <laughs> Now, of course, in this championship, we have one wet and one slick, which makes it really tricky with the tyre call at the moment. What's your strategy? Well, it does depend totally on, well, what happens in the clouds above us, but it's looking very dry already. I, I can't see there's much advantage in pitting now to get some slicks. It takes 35 to 40 seconds to change a set of tyres. So I guess try and keep them as cool as possible and, and make the pit window. Thank you. Cheers. Duncan Tappy there of Lannan Racing. His teammate then, Michael Benham, up to eighth position in the number 25 car. We made a big thing at the start of the year how that uh, the livery of the Lannan Racing car looks almost Toyota-esque from the distance. Not almost Toyota-esque. It but looks like a Toyota. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, coming out of the final corner at Ricard, oh, you and I were was standing oh. in the pressure and going, oh, here comes the Toyota. Oh, no, there aren't any in the Michelin Le Mans Cup confused us for a little while um but okay that's brave from duncan tappy saying we can make the pit lane window they've got 25 more minutes to run before that car can legitimately come in and they do the driver and the tire change at the same time there is uh, mike benham in the number 21 car um, 12th second where is he now eighth place for eighth mike place. Uh, and fourth place by the way now for alex capaldi he's gone by alistair mccaig so the 20 car, which is from DB Autosport, that's the Jean Ludovic Foubert car that he shares with Nicolas Morlini, French and Swiss combination. At the head of that little train was the other DB Autosport car, the number 21, started by Jacques Wolf. Meanwhile, for second position on the road, Adrian Schiller now battling with Johan Boris Shire. Now, we're expecting Johan Boris to be quicker than the cars that he's out with at the moment. He's the silver, Adrian Schiller is the bronze, and Johan Boris having a little bit of a look there as they run up towards Turn 1, but deciding he wasn't close enough. And this is Norma versus Ligier. You can tell from the very different design of car. Ligier having a sort of three-spot headlight on each side. Norma with the, the larger headlights and slightly more detailed front splitter as well and the narrower nose. Yeah, pointed nose on the Norma, the flatter nose with those distinctive vents either side from the Ligier. And there's a little dimple in the nose of the Ligier as well. And that's uh, a design that is carried then on into the LMP2 machine as well. These are kind of like baby prototypes, but uh, have the bigger engine, amazingly enough. A five-litre Nissan power plant up the hill then. Car 39 this time under pressure. This is Adrian Truier being overtaken by Eric Dodonka in the Motorsport 98 car. And the Ligier gets the place at Remus Corner. 12th position for Eric Dodonka. That's the slap of the race, meanwhile, once again goes to... Leading car wasn't that way last lap around though, because the recovering, albeit quite distant recovery, from the cool racing car of Anthony Borger did put in a 136.4 last time around. 
36-0 this time for the leader. 33 and a half seconds now to the good. And it's back to the, the battling cars that head over the line now with Adrian Schiller to driver's left and John Boris Shire to driver's right. There was also a car looking slow on the main straight. Or no, is no, that no, Alex Capardia? No, no, it's not slow. It's quick. It's Alex Capardia catching this pair and looking set to get by both of them. Yeah. They've now got traffic. That was, that was Alex looking for the wet patch here. Yeah, and uh, actually dropping a couple of wheels I think, almost over the white line on the main straight, but he kept two wheels the right side of the white line. So desperate is he for wet asphalt now as the 40 goes a bit too deep into Remus, also with the 77 Ferrari to be mindful of. So end race and John Boris Shire trying to get by Adrian Schiller with Alex Papadia tucked in the stream of both these cars, trying to get a bit of... Uh, also a bit of toe from the Ferrari number 77 of Claudio Schiavone and fastest lap of the race this time or that time around was from Alex Capardi into the 35s for the first time and what's going to be interesting in this, in this second half hour of the race as we get to the point where these tyres are going to be losing their efficiency is do they start to catch the leader yes the gap at the moment 35 seconds all but a tenth of a second the fastest car out there set on the last lap Alex Capardia a 135.834 he's getting quicker and quicker than the two cars in front and really quick through the final part of the lap through Rint and the right-hander at Red Bull Mobile so much faster than the end race car and should be able to pick them off I'd say on this main straight the headlights are flashing the problem is he's going to have to go three abreast and he pulls right to the other side of the circuit as I say straddling that white speed line there. he's finding speed there and he's done it that was a great move from Alex and off goes the second place car Capardi runs wide the end race car looks for another run out of turn one but that's a double overtake from Alex Capardia. yeah gives uh, the end race car driven by John Boris Shire some racing room on the run up the hill careful not to cut across the nose then of the Frenchman and finally makes it stick so two overtakes in one corner and like you say, jinking over to the far right-hand side of the track and straddling that rather wide white line works for the man from Bedfordshire. He, well, all around him, everyone struggled to make the corner and he was sort of blissfully serene, slowed the car perfectly and got through, but... He, he was right on the ragged edge, though, but yes. uh, Shire has not given this one up. This is now going to be an interesting moment. These two cars released from the battle with the Norma and the 36 seconds it was that would have delayed them a little on this current lap 37 seconds let's call it an hour and 24 minutes to go are we going to start to see that gap coming down 71 car there a little battle tussle on track with the number 22 United Auto Sports car Jim Maguire goes by but uh, Johan Boris Shire, certainly not short of speed either. He's had a little bit of time out of motorsport in recent years, but came through the Radical Euro Masters Championship. So knows his prototypes, at least, and getting a first taste of the Michelin Le Mans Cup. 32 years old. So the, those two jostling for position. And Shire hadn't given that one up, despite Alex Capardia's good move into Turn 1. We are now an hour and 25 away from the end of the race, but more crucially for these teams that have cars out on a dry track with wet tyres, they're thinking, when is this pit window going to open? Well, in less than 20 minutes' time. 
problem for people like Alex Capardia and the RLRM Sport crew is that they want to keep their car out for as long as possible. They do. Keep Alex in the car for 65 minutes, ideally, or just short of 65 minutes, and then get the uh, the co-driver in, who is Ross Warburton, as you've mentioned. Uh, that's even more difficult now because Alex it clearly isn't hanging around. He might be overheating the Michelin treaded tyres and asking rather a lot to last until 65 minutes. Lannan car, number 25, Michael Benham at the wheel, breaking as late as he dares into Rauch corner to try and pull off an overtake on Tony Wells. Couldn't quite do it there, but it's Wells and then Jens Pettersson just ahead of Lannan Racing's number 25. Jens Pettersson's fallen down the order a little from his front row start. He's now sixth position and a close fought battle, as Johnny says, with Tony Wells and Mike Benham. About 50 seconds off the leader now. Hardy is making some inroads. Ferraris up against one another. That's AF Corsa and Kessel racing. And a bit of Ferrari fell off in the background there, proving that they did make contact. That's the championship leader, Sergio Pianazzola, up the inside of Christoph Ulrich. And, and that's gets the race the place. leader. That's the race leader involved here in between the two. Careful. CD Sport car driven by Fabien Leverne then. And he will be well aware that those Ferraris are duking it out for their own little private battle. So that was, yes, Pianazzola getting by Christoph Ulrich. I'm waiting for that to be confirmed on the timing screen in a moment or two. It will be through the next sector point. As Michael Benham gets another good run on Tony Wells, the man from Middlesbrough. And up the hill that car goes. Wells thought about defending. Michael Benham might have a really good run, though, into the braking area. Gets the car stopped. Another superb overtake at Remus Corner. Great stuff. And uh, John Ferrano beginning to get involved in this battle as well. A four-car train now. From sixth down to ninth. Mike Benham now looking to see what he can do. About Jens Pettersson ahead, Norma versus Norma. So they're heading out of Rauch corner now as... Slick tires ready. United Autosports preparing new Michelin tyres. And as you say, the Slick's was being sorted into the correct order. The front wheels there on the, the tyre trolleys looked much smaller in diameter than the rears. I didn't realise it was quite that much of a difference. It might have been an optical illusion. I'll see that shot again and decide. Anyway, United Autosport is very busy because they have so many cars in this race and we'll be careful not to pit them all on the same lap, I'm sure, because it could get very, very busy for the Yorkshire team. Second and third place men are catching the leader now. Taking a couple of seconds out last time around. That would have been traffic, remember? We saw the car involved with the two Ferraris. But uh, it's also the fastest lap of the race to Alex Capardia. First man under 135, a 134.915. Mike Benham up towards his favourite overtaking area at Remus Corner, turn three, and he's got a good run on Jens Pettersson this time. Remember, Jens Pettersson, the championship leader, and he's made very quick work indeed, as Mike Benham of that number three car. The Luxembourgish entry, DKR Engineering, now down to seventh position. And the, uh, the heat of the day coming back into this track now, one of the very few places where the apex of the corner still damp, steaming up at turn three. Very different lines into turn one there for each of the, or two of the three graph cars, I should say. So that was the battle for, now the question is, is that the 65 
further down the order. Yes, it is. Adrian Truyer has found Passian, teammate. And they were being overtaken, I think, by Jim McGuire in the number 22 car. So they've fallen well down the order, probably because of overheating wet weather tyres. An hour and 20 to go. So Passian coming back at Jim McGuire. Uh, he's the quicker of the, the group at the moment. And it's an early stop, by the way, for Alex Capania. He's come in. Right, so... That's not the pit window yet, is it? It's not, no, uh, and far from it. So maybe the idea now is that, you know, they want to run Alex as deep into the race as possible, so get the tyres changed, they'll take the penalty of whatever it is, 35 seconds or so, and then he can run to just before 65 minutes and do the driver change to Ross Warburton. Tony Wells has done the same, and the delayed Anthony Borger has done the same. Borger had been making, making some progress up the order. A little bit distant progress, but uh, Alex stays aboard. Well, it was an excellent in-lap for Alex Capardia. Racing drivers often earn a significant chunk of their money on those in-laps. He went purple through sector one and two. So set that uh, lap into the pits, and also Tony Wells now about to rejoin. Antonin Borger already back into the race after a second stop. The first of those was a penalty, I'll remind you. And Johan Borushaya going quicker again this time. So the second place, Ligier, now going quicker through sector one and two than it's managed so far. Can Johan Boris string three brilliant sectors together? To try and close that gap to Fabian Laverne, which now stands at 35 seconds. And has Fabian Laverne shown any signs now of the pace of that car running a little bit short? If he's pushed the tyres very hard in the opening stint, it might be that he's not got a lot to lean on towards the end of his 55-minute stint. And by 55 minutes, I'm suggesting that Fabian Laverne will, will get out of that CD Sport car. It might be that the team say, do you know what, you're doing such a good job, we'll keep you inside for a little while and then hand on over to Laurence Herr, the German, for the second stint. So the cars that uh, took the, the opportunity to stop there, we'll keep an eye on their lap times now. On the, the first out there on slick tyres, of course, dropped to 26th overall and last for the cool racing car, unsurprisingly, that one-minute stop and hold. Uh, Tony Wells emerged in 23rd position, 18th in LMP2, and... Alex Capardi in the RLRM Sport number uh, number 59 emerged in 20th, 17th in LMP2. So let's keep an eye on how that all progresses. Mercedes that leads GT3 now up to 11th place overall on a very dry section of track now out of Turn 1 and up to Turn 2. Meanwhile, the CD Sport car is coming across back markers. The first of those, car number 65, driven by Sergio Passia who oh, I thought passing was going to make room there for Leverne, but the Frenchman's going to have to work a little harder to get that bit of lappery done. So Spanish team, French driver to hand over to German pilot in due course, somewhere between 55 and 65 minutes. But despite the incredible pace from Fabian Leverne, the behaviour of the car suggests there's still quite a bit of treaded tyre left beneath it. Yep, it's, uh, this is where tyre management's going to be at a premium. Still not going to give up that place. Don't think he's got the message. That is the leader. May have just got it now. We have an hour and 16 minutes remaining of the two-hour race. And clearly, Graf Racing ready for a driver change. And it might have been 
Yeah, yeah, beg your pardon. I was, thought I was uh, trying to identify the new driver, but that wouldn't be the right team for the name that I had in my mind. So we'll wait and see. Jens Pettersson will be handing over to Leonard Hugenboom at uh, a certain stage. And car number three about to be overtaken here by John Ferrano. Or is he? Because then the straight line speed of the Norma M30 comes into its own. And what was it? About eight brake horsepower generally quicker up the straight is the number three. But the Ligier very strong through the corners. And John Ferrano sniffs an inside line and bags the place as easy as that. It's going to be an interesting battle between these two and between their teammates, Jürgen Valutert and Leonard Hergenboom, two of the form drivers, pro drivers in Michelin and Cup all year. But uh, John Ferrano, Canadian, looking to do what he can to give his Dutch teammates the best possible start to this race that puts Ferrano up into sixth position first pit stopper and still we haven't made the window so this isn't actually an official stop they are doing a driver change intriguingly now to my knowledge it's a 10 minute pit stop window so I'm going to now send Graham to the, to the regulations if he can find out but I, I mean the car's being fueled they are doing a driver change unless it is they're just not comfortable with that driver in it's the 39 car that's come in and Adrian Truier to hand over to Eric Truier that's a surprise because uh, the regulations that I had been led to believe suggest that uh, you have to come in somewhere between 55 and 65 minutes. Uh, we'll come back to that one in a moment. Joe, mm. we did say that we'd catch you up with just how much quicker it was on slicks. The answer is about three to four seconds quicker. 132.647 from Antonin Borka. A 132.9 from Alex Capardia on their first laps on the slick rubber. So it's a lot quicker out there. We've got to that point. Everybody's going to be in straight away as soon as the, the pit window is actually hit. Yeah. And the very fact that we haven't got anybody else coming in right now really does suggest to me that the pit lane window is not open yet. It's perhaps just a decision that uh, Graf have taken for that 39 car. Maybe Adrian Truier just wasn't happy on that set of tyres and they've decided to do the driver change at the same time. But the clock is ticking down. So this is the 2 minutes and 15 seconds that has to elapse. And remember, it's timed from pit in to pit out. There are timing loops on your way into the pits and your way out, and you cannot breach that minimum pit stop time. So they're getting very close now to unleashing that car. Meanwhile, down towards Red Bull Mobile comes the number 40 machine, and that is Adrian Schiller, having run second earlier on in the race, being followed all the way by the number 79, and now up the inside, oh, oh there was contact, I wanted that there might be, and uh, it was actually the number two car of Tony Wells, I beg your pardon, so that wasn't even a race for position, it was Adrian Schiller in the 40 car third on the road, and the number two car of Tony Wells trying a move at the inside, and I don't think Adrian Schiller had seen him coming, and Tony Wells having made a stop, and that car, that car did not breach the... Uh, no, it's, it's uh, done a, a 1 minute and 20 seconds uh, pit stop, and it has to be 2.15, remember, so that's not a scheduled pit stop either for Tony Wells, and in an effort to try and catch up the time, went for a move that sort of wasn't on at turn number one, resulted in the Graf car spinning, and probably some damage for Tony Wells on the front left corner. Back over the line comes Fabian Laverne, massively impressed with this chappie, 
in both the Michelin Le Mans Cup and the European Le Mans Series. He's allowed a little bit of that time to dissipate, and that might be because Johan Boris Shire, who's now in second place, is quicker than the other cars that try to get close to the 30. 28.1 now is the advantage for Fabian Levin, but he can kind of manage that now to the pit stop window, which is just six and a half minutes away. Turning right at Remus Corner. Behind that car is Sergio Pianazzola, the co-championship leader, remember. So it's Kessel Racing who lead the points in the team's GT3 championship. And GT3, uh, as far as drivers are concerned, it's Giacomo Piccini and Pianazzola who lead by 11 points from Christoph Ulrich and Maurizio Mediani. They're on 50 and Marco Ciocci and Pierre Giuseppe Perizzini are on 42 points. So leaders 11 points clear of second, and second place 8 points clear of third. As through louder corner goes the race leader. This is lap 29. Fabian Laverne still has a margin of nearly 30 seconds. I'm still happy to say the pit lane window is between 55 and 65 minutes, purely because we've had no other callers. I think the answer is... <laughs> It has to be, because these cars need fuel, uh, so it has to be. We've got the first lap, by the way, under 130 from Antonin Borger, so clearly the slicks are the thing to have. Yes. However, um, I don't think there is a defined pit window. I think it's, it's enforced effectively by the car's fuel load. What defines the regulation is that you've got to do 55 minutes behind the, the wheel yeah. of the car. And I think what's happening here is we've got some strategy going on. I think you're going to see some teams stopping again uh, later in the race to allow uh, the other driver back in. I think they're looking to take advantage of these conditions where there's the best advantage to gain from it. So there's a little bit of strategy coming into it at the moment. I'm just actually flicking through the regulations to see if I've missed anything, but the effect of that pit window is defined by two things, fuel load and the minimum driving time. Yeah, and probably nowhere in the regulations does it say that you have to pit somewhere between 55 and 65. As you say, that's just a window enforced by the other rules. Correct. Yeah, that makes total sense. So, interesting how uh, the Truiers are splitting this race almost into three separate stints rather than the usual two. What we do know is that Alex Capardi has got a maximum of 14 minutes more at the wheel because he will have to hand over the car to his teammates with 55 minutes Remaining, He's got to be in the car for that 55 minutes. But uh, you're seeing big, big differences in pace between the cars that are out there on slicks. Uh, Anthony Borger in a 130.478, way, way down the field, of course. I'm just looking for where um, Alex has actually now got to. Meanwhile, making a move to get by Michael Benham in the 25 is a recovering 39 graph car. So, again, these machines not on the same lap, despite Michael Benham getting his elbows out, and more battling into Rauch corner, and the leader is exiting turn number one now, but it's again, a car tucked in behind, not on the same lap as Laverne. But it's lost almost ten seconds since Schneier got into second position to the chasing car, and that will be a lot, I'm sure, to do with the state of the tyres. Uh, Capardia, by the way, is back up into the top ten. He is 80 seconds back from the lead, He's lapping at least four seconds a lap quicker than anybody ahead of him. That was actually Eric Truier battling with Mike Benham. And Benham fifth on the road. Truier now stone last because they've made that very early pit stop. But they were careful not to breach the 
the time, 135 seconds. They did their pit stop in 136 seconds, so almost perfect timing there. But we reckon purely because... Ah, the car's back in again. 39 comes back in again. And, well, we still haven't reached 55 minutes yet. Strange for the third of three graph machines. He's got a problem. There's no work going on the car. He's got a problem. And conversations being had with Eric Cluier. Meanwhile, Alex Capadia goes faster again. He already had a fastest lap, but on lap 30, he's done a 129.5. Six seconds quicker than the leader. He's one minute and 14 seconds back. So it's a gamble from the team. It's the right move to have done. That he's clearly making time. I think he calculated he could not go to the, the uh, one, minute, one hour and five minutes on the on the same tyres. Yeah. And the gamble is just how much would you lose by going out of the sequence that you defined for yourself. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be a frustrating afternoon for Alex, but uh, driving very very quickly and rapidly catching. The eighth place car, that's the number 21 DB Autosports Norma. Six seconds uh, quicker, but five seconds back last time through. Uh, Alistair McCaig in third position has a graph car tucked in behind, and that is the Adrian Schiller car, so they're scrapping for third and fourth position. Really good run from Alistair McCaig from the very start, actually, was, has been uh, more or less, with the exception of the two uh, you know, more professionally rated drivers. Uh, right up there, the thick of things is the lead Ligier. So, uh, well, taking a drift style, yeah. through comes the eight. Sergio Pianazzola still at the wheel, leading the championship with Giacomo Pacini, and it will be Pacini to take over that car during the pit stop. Gold graded Pacini, so expect the eight car to be pedaled very quickly indeed. Side by side, LMP3 action again as car 24, which has got lots of catching up to do after Antonin Borger had to serve a one minute stop and go penalty at the start of the race. So Borger is now ahead of another of the Graf cars. It feels like there are a lot more Graf cars than three in this race, but they're now sort of equally spaced all around the circuit and on very different laps, some of them as Alistair McCaig is overtaken there, so that's not for position, but it just shows how much quicker Antonin Borger is than uh, McCaig in car 79. So Borger, on his recovery, second recovery drive, Bill welded down in 23rd place into the 129s, 130.5 last time around from Picardia, another place falls, his next target is teammate um, John Ferrano in the number 14 car right we have now reached the point in the race where a, a bronze if they started this race has done your required they've done their required drive time of 55 minutes so any point from now on you are able to come in change drivers and put the second driver in whether that be a silver or a gold and run them to the flag and you'd expect both these men to do exactly that and that's exactly what's going to happen in number three car decal engineering Jens Pettersson Number 21 car from London Racing in the hands of Mike Benham. It'll be Leonard Hergenboom getting in the number three car. It will be Duncan Tappy in the number 21. Yellow tag flag, meanwhile, at turn four, we're seeing. I'm just looking to see on our other monitors whether or not we can see why. No, reason not immediately obvious. That's Rao corner, so at the end of the, the back straight, if you like, at the top of the hill between turn two and three. The two RLRM Sport cars getting very close to one another. Oh, and Ferrano is around and has to loop the car fully there. 
Alex Capardia trying to make the move as clean as possible. Not sure what happened as far as Ferrano was concerned. Maybe just those tyres are far past their better days. And he struggled to hang on to a very loopy moment. Thankfully, nobody was right behind. Yes, the two RLR cars look great for a photo snap here. And then it all went a bit wrong for the Utrecht car. A little bit of oversteer from John Ferrano. Almost got it looped back round to rejoin. And in they come, everybody from 9th down to 19th on pit lane at the moment. In comes the end race car from 2nd. The Verne stays out for the moment, as you'd expect he might. Full course yellow, though, is called for whatever has actually happened out at Turn 4. And it is... Is that still the John Ferrano car stalled there? I think it might be, you know. Well, that happened a little while ago, and it's not at the right corner, of course. That was at Turn 2, or 3 on some track maps. At Remus Corner, let's call them by their names. Uh, no, it's a car in the gravel. That looks a bit like oh, a right. United Autosports machine. Hit 23. That's stopped out on circuit. Difficult to Richard tell Richard Mines the... hasn't... You know, he's been dropping down the order. Yeah. And hasn't reached the end of Sector 2 yet. So that's the right position there it is, for yeah, Richard. I think well spotted. It's uh, being lifted by some of those clever locating lugs now on a modern-day racing car. The snatch vehicle can pull into position and lower the bar which is then immediately attached and the, those lugs have been perfectly placed lengthways along the car so it's balanced as it's lifted out of the gravel i think this can be some high quality um internal commentary at the moment from the number 59 car alex capardia i mean you know got to the stage where he was fighting back mm. fighting back well of course now finds himself in a full course yellow situation where he can't anymore and where is he pitted? So that will be Ross Warburton uh, aboard the car. Might be best for Charlie George just to leave it a minute or two for Alex when he gets out of that car because it's just not fallen right for him today. They've done everything they possibly could to make whatever strategy that came their way work. And every single time, the racing gods have thrown something else at them. Best laid plans, hey? Indeed. Yeah, you had a strategy on Friday night, not really knowing how the race was pan out. And, uh, well, if they could have their time again, they might have chosen a very different approach. Leader stays out, by the way. Laverne has not yet pitted. He's due around any time. Now, what happened here? We've got the number three car. A little bit of power slide coming out of the pits. Rather close to the blend line there as well. Uh, I didn't see a wheel cross it, but uh, it might be reviewed by more important people than, than I. Yes, you can be sure that there'll be somebody having a look. <laughs> um, but... Uh, everybody, with the exception of the number 20 car, which comes through now in second position, has pitted. Yes. All the way down to the Brooksby car, which is due around, I'm sure we'll pit this time around, and the stricken number 23 car. Which is moving again, we should say. It's at Louder Corner, it's at Forst Alpine. There you go. And some cracking work by the marshalling crews at Rauch Corner. Means going that, uh, Richard Mines' car is uh, dropped to the access road, basically, that runs right alongside the Armco barrier, and Richard Mines able to safely rejoin. And we'll be going back to green in 3, 2, 1 seconds, and the noise levels will go back up again. Now we go back to green. Now let's hope Richard didn't bring too much gravel onto the track with him. I'm sure he did a very good job of shaking most of the stones out before he rejoined the track proper. The GT3 race leader is in, and Marco Zanettini pits from 8th place overall. Phenomenal effort for the Mercedes AMG, and great to have another body shape in the GT3 ranks. We've had AMGs before, of course, in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. But uh, returning 
is the car not returning the team though because uh, Crichton Motorsport Crypto Motorsport should say uh, more familiar in things like GT Italia and the GT Open but uh, having a first foray into Michelin Le Mans Cup this weekend second fastest or rather second place in the race uh, Giacomo Piccini now having taken over the number eight Kessel Racing Ferrari from Sergio Pianazzola so some recovery from dead last after that drive through yes Yes, well, the championship leaders are up there on their performance, of course, and we expected them to come good at some stage. Car will not hang around now with the racy Italian at the wheel. That, I think, is the lead car with trouble. Ooh, OK. The CD Sport car. It is the lead car was struggling with the left rear tyre coming off. They've got this window uh, for the pit stop, but that was a struggle. Yeah, and uh, the window is far longer than it, than it needs to be, if you like. You should comfortably be able to change four tyres and the driver and fuel the car within the two minutes and 15 seconds. I think the Mercedes lost the lead. Uh, it has rejoined. It's rejoined behind the number eight. Third position, by the looks of things, at least, uh, well, at best third. Might even be fourth by the time there it is. the AMG comes see, around. You can see it on the screen. That is the that is the number eight car. I think that's the number eight. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's the right colour scheme for the Kessel Racing. Well, the reason I'm slightly worried is I can't see the car that should no, be in it's 77. second. It's 77. So that's a lap down. So what has happened there? That's got to be to do with when the pit stops happened. Puccini leads. We're back under green, by the way, so this is a full racing battle now. Puccini leads GT3 by just half a second from Pier Giuseppe Perizzini. And in third position Trouble. is Pazuki. Oh, yeah. Ferrano. That, that, no, it's Jürgen Vanuta. Yeah, he's just left the pits and he's lost a wheel. He's lost a wheel and he's off the track. So another instance, I'm afraid, of finger trouble. And a car that, well, potentially could have been a real contender here can the young Dutchman get that car back the car that was spinning only a short time ago with John Ferrano at the wheel now has the wheel fully detached or yes. was it the I'm rear right that was looking a bit I'm told, out of position I, I, I'm told the wheel has come off okay it's lost a wheel so the wheel is no longer part of the car and that's going to be a real challenge for Jochman Utert to get the car back to the pits safely Brook Speed International doing their pit stop and yes this is their first stop of the race John Schaumann due to get out and hand over to Nicolas Ronde but of course they're not doing this stop now under a full course yellow so it's costing them more time the 30 car lost 20 seconds at least in that pit stop and has dropped down to 7th position albeit we've got, uh, we've got a full course yellow going to be coming back I believe 7 yep six, we have 5 4 3 2 1 Full course yellow, full course yellow. Uh, oh, and cars slowing down at very different speeds indeed, and one car coming out of Red Bull Mobile nearly piled into the back of another P3. It was 25 stopping, and the 21 just not uh, abating at the same sort of speed. Thankfully, disaster averted there, but uh, certainly there was some overtaking, albeit briefly, and now the driver of car 21 has quite rightly, that's Nicolas Schatz, by the way, has quite rightly allowed Duncan Tappy back past for Lannan Racing. Also, uh, potential dramas for the second-placed car in GT, reported to the stewards for crossing the pit entry white line together with the number 77 car, which is the sixth-place car in GT. So...
where we are at the moment, Johnny, is... Yeah, deep breath. The 99 car leads the way by half a minute. That car has stopped. Alain Costa now driving the N-Race machine from Colin Noble's Ecuria Cost Nielsen Ligier. Then it's Normers with Danilou for Graf, Leonard Hugenboom in the DKR engineering car. Duncan Tappy, we've just mentioned, after he had to slow up dramatically... Uh, well, Duncan managed to slow down. The car behind, not so much, Nicolas Schatz, but they are fifth and sixth. Seventh position for Laurence Hur, having taken the CD Sport car over from the rapidly, or the, or the vastly impressive Fabian Leverne, who did the opening stint. Ross Warburton's taken charge of the 59 car. He's eighth. Scott Andrews is ninth. And in tenth position, Dino Lenardi for Motorsport 98. There have been... Many, many highlights in the first hour and five minutes of this race. We started in full rain, remember, and behind the safety car. So three or four laps behind the Porsche safety car just to ensure that everyone was familiar with the conditions. And this was also an attempt to clear some of the surface water as well. Thankfully, the rain just eased off a little bit during the opening 20 or so minutes. Meant that visibility was far better, but wet weather tyres on a dry track are never a good combination. For the last half an hour, these drivers have had to hunt and search out the wetter parts of the track. A real challenge for many. The Michelin and wet weather tyres have been driven almost to destruction. Thankfully, though, now these cars will be on slick tyres. And this should be a far more pleasant run to the flag for predominantly the silver and gold graded drivers now. Who can be put into the car for the second part of the race. That was a decision that needed to be made before today, though, your starting driver. And there are one or two teams out there that will be well, wishing they'd gone the other way, namely the 59 crew, RLRM Sport. Uh, 24 had to come in for an early uh, penalty, which was earned from a tyre infringement earlier on in the week. It was also a pit stop for the number eight Sergio Pianazzola car. Uh, a double overtake for Alex Capadia. Managing to get past John Ferrano and one of the Graf machines. And Jens Pettersen under a lot of pressure in the early stages from Alistair McCaig, who finally got the overtake done up at Remus Corner. Car 79 overtaking the number three. And the 99 machine, well, stealthily has worked its way up the order. We're nearing the end, by the way, of the current full-course yellow. That will happen in about 15 seconds' time. So by the time we've look back on these highlights we should be racing again but a tremendous opening stint then from Johan Boris Shire who now hands over to his bronze teammate Ala Costa as a result of Costa being at the wheel the pace will drop off very slightly but there's a massive lead that Ala Costa and his crew are enjoying side by side contact for the two Ferraris and that was a door mirror I think or part of Maybe the door skin falling off behind the number eight and the 51. A battle at the time for second place on the road. And the CD Sport car was sandwiched between them. So that was a little while ago. And CD Sport uh, still there. But contact as well, remember, for Tony Wells and the number 40 Graf machine. That happened at turn one. There was also a pirouette for John Ferrano. He was kind enough to show us the car from every angle there at Remus Corner. And the Canadian, I'm sure, was kicking himself after that little whoopsie, but got back into the race. And the number 14 car um, now, I'm afraid, has far larger dramas with Jot Van Utert on an outlap, losing a wheel. There was more battling between the two Ferraris as the 8 and the 51 were nose to tail. 
They're in a slightly different order now that they've come back out from the pits. And as we return to live action, we are now under green flag conditions as well. So the latest full course yellow to deal with Jot van Utert's three-wheeled wagon has come to an end. 51 and a half minutes to go. And Alan Costa for N Race leads the way, Graham, by just over 18 seconds. My apologies. Yes, he does. And uh, Colin Noble is uh, up into second place. Daniello. Uh, is third, three seconds back from the Scots in the Akuriakos 79 car. So it's N-Race Akuriakos Graf, Ligier, Ligier, Norma, Leonard Hergenboom, we know he's got a lot of pace, and uh, he is next up, some 17 seconds down, but that will all even out as we get a little bit deeper into this race, and the four-course yellow times equalise. Just looking at what's happening here in GT. Quite difficult to work this one out, I'll be honest with you. We've got a couple of cars that are at the moment being investigated and reported to stewards crossing white lines. But at the moment, it's Kessel's number eight in the hands of Giacomo Puccini from Mark Picciocci from the Krypton Motorsport car, which lost that chunk of time for comfortable lead on pit lane. Um, but that car is beginning to come back uh, at them. It's not on the lead lap now, but I'm trying to work out just... It's 12, 13 seconds back from the lead to Ferraris. First and second, though, working their way between Remus and Raul Corners. Meanwhile, car 65, a graph car being driven now by Della Foss, is battling away with Matt Bell in the United Autosports 22. So this is a case of... Uh, a quick driver catching up with uh, another pretty quick driver, actually, Damien Delafosse. He's a silver, as is Matt Bell. So will this just balance out to be relatively even stint, or will the man from the northeast of England finally find a way through? That Red Bull mobile right-hander is particularly nasty. It, uh, it's a real compression point on the lap, and the front splitter of cars very often scraping on the ground. Lights flashing for the former GT3 race leader, the Krypton Motorsport Mercedes AMG of Pazuki, who qualified the car earlier on today. And that car currently third in class. Watching the lead battle as we look on screen at this trio. And uh, in the middle of this, this is Ross Warburton, sandwiched and just being undertaken there by the number 22 car. That's is that's Matt Bell, isn't it? It is indeed. Goes up for 12th position. Uh, the lead battle at the moment uh, coming down rapidly Colin Noble taking some three or four seconds a lap out of the leader and Ancosta in the 99 car uh, has been tracked by the cars behind both, both he, Colin Noble in the 40 Graf car being caught by Leonard Hergenboom but there is a gap, about a 15 second gap which Hergenboom is working on He's quicker, but not quick enough at the moment to make a meaningful impact on it quite yet. Yeah. Meantime, number three car, that is Hergenboom, into the 28s. In fact, the low 28s, now the fastest man of the race, 128.039 last time around. Going quicker again this time. He has been one of the revelations of the season thus far, Johnny. Certainly has, with two victories already with his teammate Jens Pettersson. They went well in one of the Road to Le Mans races, but really struggled in another one. But, uh, yeah, after two races, at, uh, Paul Ricard and Monza, nobody really could touch the number three DKR Engineering LMP3. And they're looking to kick-start their season again after the Le Mans 
festival, if you like, with the 2.55-minute independent races. We're back to the regular season now with these two-hour events. These cars don't visit Silverstone next month, so instead we'll travel to Spa in two months' time and then to Portugal to uh, the Portimao circuit to end their year in October. CD Sport heading out of... Rauch corner with Lawrence Herr now doing the driving. Eighth place for the German. Dino Lenardi tucked in behind in the number 30, in the number 98 car rather. Motorsport 98. And Scott Andrews not very far away either in that cool racing car. Let's hear though from Alex Capardia now. I'm having a very busy first stint down in the pit lane with Charlie George. Well, Alex, first of all, great to see you guys back. You're one of the few teams to go with the flip strategy of you starting. Now, sometimes that plays out very well, but it seemed like everything went against you today with that. Yeah, well, we made that decision after free practice, and we thought it would be dry at that point. Uh, it's the first race back for Ross this year's first race. He didn't really fancy starting the race anyway, so we, I normally start. The plan was just try and get as far up as we can and then hand over the car to Ross. Obviously, as it was raining and then it dried out, we realised that I was going to have to put Ross on absolutely cold sticker, brand new slicks, which wouldn't have worked. We don't have tyre warmers in this championship and to put him out on a damp track wouldn't have been ideal. We also worked out that we probably would be about five seconds a lap quicker on slicks and we thought we could probably just make it. As it happened, the full course yellow came out three laps earlier than we were hoping to pit. We would have probably been back to where we were, but with hot tyres for Ross. Didn't quite work out today, but next time. The key is, though, that Ross enjoys his stint now. Yeah, well, he's actually going really well now because he's got great, you know, hot tyres. So let's see how it pans out, but he's having a good run already. Thanks, Alex. Thanks. It all makes sense. Now, it all makes perfect it? sense. And and he, you could sort of see that was what was going on. The, the, uh, Alex filling in the final gap, which was simply, it is uh, Ross Warburton, a relatively inexperienced driver at this level, comeback race after a nasty shoulder injury. And they want, you know, they wanted a more experienced man in there. But yes, his, expa his explanation about the state of the slick tyres, spot on. It just didn't work for them this time. Leonard Hogenboom, by the way, into the 27s. He's 18 seconds off the lead. But in, very soon, that leader is going to be a new leader. It's going to be Colin Noble, uh, if all things are equal. This is the lead battle with the number 51 Ferrari between the two, because Noble has caught, caught, caught the end race car at the rate of three, four seconds a lap ever since he got in. This set up by a great opening stint from Alistair McCaig. Now it's the quicker of the two drivers, Colin Noble, both two, two Scottish drivers and a famous Scottish named team. Uh, and despite the fact that the team manager's name is Sven, or is known to by everybody as Sven, he's half Scottish as well. But uh, Noble dealing with the number 51 Ferrari, then he will have the race leader in front of him. He's being caught, though, not by the next car back, but by the fourth place car. Uh, Leonard Hürgenboom has dropped the gap now to 17 seconds. We've got 45 minutes to go. So out of Red Bull Mobile goes the leading battle and jinking to the right there just having a little bit of a look was Colin Noble I don't think he was fully intending to make a move but trying to cause a distraction more than anything on Alain Costa and no doubt about it the 79 car was quicker through turn one that time than the 99 getting a very good run indeed on the 99 end race entry can Noble do it under braking no on his contact oh, oh no, dear no, no, oh dear no, no. And also the 51 Ferrari is going to have to go wide as well. Now, that was in contention, was it not, for a podium? It's all gone a bit wrong at the head of the order, Graham. I think Noble had that corner, I'll be honest with you. I think Noble had the corner. Let's have another look at it. He's got the run here. 
He's behind the car there, has the run. I think he's alongside. He hits effectively the front left, front right wheel of the number 99 car. It's yeah. going to be interesting to see how race control call that one. Well, the line was being pinched all the time by Alain Costa, but rather than Alain sort of parking the car on the firmly the right-hand side of the track, it was more of a case of needing to do it in a hurry as they reach the apex. And two into one never does go at Remus Corner. Two bits of drama to report. One is drive-through penalties for the 71 and 77. We referred to this earlier, crossing the right white uh, line at pit entry. That is the second-place car in GT. Uh, the second bit of drama is, of course, that has cost Colin Noble, as well as Alan Costa, time to Leonard Hergenboom, who's again set another fastest lap of the race in the 27s. The top three now, because Costa has dropped behind Hergenboom, separated by just 10 seconds with 43 minutes to go. So this might all now play into the hands of Mark Antoine Danilou a little more because the 40 car is up in second place. Leonard Hugenboom coming as well after a succession of fastest laps in the number three car. Hugenboom leading the championship with Pettersson, remember. And uh, in the GT3s, Giacomo Puccini and Sergio Pianazzola led the championship points coming to Austria this weekend. They're currently out front in the race as well. So 25 points for a race win. But Marco Ciocci will try and do something about that. He's only 1.2 seconds behind Puccini. And Pazuki in third position. But a pit stop for Alain Costa. Surely that is because of damage from the incident at Remus. Indeed. So, Akira Koss, Nielsen, the number 79 car, leads the race in the hands of Colin Noble. And uh, ahead of the Graf car, who he dealt with, that's come back into contention, though, for this overall lead battle. Colin Noble, not uh, sorry, got though, is now clear air, and he's gone quicker than anybody else. Goes purple in the second sector on his lap 44, with 42 minutes to go. The man to watch here, under 10 seconds back, Leonard Hergenboom in the DKR Engineering number three car. Started, of course, by Jens Pettersson. Here comes the 71 Ferrari to take its drive-through penalty. Now, that will lose it second place. There goes the Krypton AMG through into second place. The gap to the leader is 11 seconds. Giacomo Puccini to Pizzucci, 8 from 35, is 11 seconds. Yeah, so heading up the hill, it's the other Pacini, by the way, tucked in behind the Mercedes AMG. So car 77 that's way back. is driven by Andrea Pacini. And yeah, as we watch the GT3 battle, that's sadly not involved, despite it looking and by like the way, it might be. Dozo is still that, uh, that drive through penalty. It's not taken that uh, penalty yet. The 77 also has to come down pit lane okay. very soon. Um, the other change, by the way, is Maurizio Mediani in the number 51 Spirit Race car has leaked from the 71 as well. So 71 drops from second to fourth. We've got some pit stops under investigation. Not four cars in the overall reckoning. Well, apart from 99, which is uh, well, not really anymore, but uh, it might be insult to injury. Some contact up at Remus, and now the pit stop. Ooh, and the blend line was at least. Uh, brushed there on the exit of the pit lane but uh, yeah the 99's scheduled pit stop it's mandatory pit stop is now under investigation doesn't tell us whether that's uh, the time limit that was breached or whether it was uh, what was done during the pit stop maybe too many engineers over the white line the other car involved 98 that uh, pit stop is under review for motorsport 98 and the car and the number four car for Brook speed
This is setting up to be one heck of a battle at the front here because Colin Noble um, has responded to the fact that, number one, he's in the lead, and number two, he's got a threat from behind in third from Leonard Hergenboom. He is again slightly gapping the second-place car number 40, Daniello, uh, who just takes a couple of tenths last time out of Noble. Both still being caught by Hergenboom. A little further back, once her is beginning to respond and is putting in some very good times. The top, what is that? Five, six cars separated by 35 seconds. Scott Andrews makes it six cars in 37 seconds. We've got 39 minutes to go. Duncan Tappy due through the end of due through sector one at any time. He goes through now and he's got Nicolas Schatz very much for company. They're fighting over fourth and fifth positions. And Lars Heard just a bit further down the road, seven seconds adrift as over the top of the circuit from turns well, Remus down to Rauch goes the 21 and that is Schatz then hunting down Duncan Tappy they're separated by a very small amount indeed, 0.8 of a second more purple sector times though coming from Leonard Hugenboom as he continues to impress this season, the Dutchman quicker than anybody else through the middle sector now in his DKR engineering corner M30 and four cap cars have found one another at Rauch Corner, one of which is a graph machine, a lock-up from 22, Matt Bell just behind. So that's the 65 of Damien Delafosse just ahead in the French tricolour colours. That was Nico Ronde in the Brooksby car, bailing, bailing out of that battle. He's way down the order. And it's James Littlejohn in the number two car now as well, having taken that car over from Tony Wells. At a curious cost. It's another fastest lap of the race for Leonard Hugenboom. 27.491 this time. He's seven seconds back from Noble, but he's only one and a half seconds back now from the second place man. Uh, Alan Costa, uh, it was spotted that he sort of half crossed the line, blend line on the exit, because the pit lane exit is also under review. So he's had contact, a pit stop being looked at, and also how he left the pits. You ever feel like it's not your day? It's like getting the first three bags of the chocolates out the Revels, isn't it? They're all coffee. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, a Galaxy panel. Was that the back of the Lannan car? Yes. Oh yes, dear. That's the, what they call the bullet of these LMP3 cars. That needs to be in place to pass your post-race scrutineering. Um, I'm reliably informed by Gary Robertson that the legality panel itself sits a bit further inside the car from the bullet, but the bullet's got to be in place, that little cheese wedge at the back of the car where the rear light is displayed from, so that will have to be addressed as well. And so what did we say the 25 car that was? I think that was Duncan Tappy, okay. and Duncan in fourth position. That's not good news. So how did that happen? That's the then race car um, on pit lane being... Taping up there, yeah. rear portion as well. So the two, those two cars didn't get together. Ah, now was it uh, a no, breakage sorry, it was on the, the 20, It was the 21, not the 25. Right. So it is the 21 car, not the 25. So apologies for followers of the Lone Racing team. All is well. DB Autosport and the uh, French hill climber Nicolas Schatz, though. That will draw their attention. And it gets a black and orange flag. That's the technical warning flag. You must attend to that. So the 21 car, currently running in fifth position in the hands of Nico Schatz, is going to have to pit that car. And arguably at this stage, it's less of a post-race scrutineering issue and more of a safety Absolutely. thing. Because very easily that, thing, that uh, cheese wedge could fall off entirely. It's held on by a, a string at the moment and right into the face of somebody else. So on safety grounds, far better to pit it and make it safe. But as far as I know, the car 
from a regulations point of view, can't run without that uh, crucial bit of bodywork. This is the battle now for second position. It's Norma and Norma. Colin Noble, by the way, Ligier, ahead of a train now of six Normas. And the gap is visual for second and third. These two running just under five seconds behind Colin Noble. And here comes Hergenboom. He's going to look up the inside. Is this going to be an easy one or a difficult one? Well, Normas are similarly paced and down the straights they look good into the braking area. And it was Hugenboom looking very, very good indeed. The behaviour of the car not looking too wayward at all. And Leonard gets the spot then from Mark Antoine Danilou. And just, just three cars that we mentioned about the pit stops, by the way. Yep. It's going to be looked at after the race, so we won't get an answer about 498 and 99. Sorry to interrupt, Greg. That's right, that's okay. Uh, just coming through turn three as those two were making their winter braking zone was Colin Noble. The gap is 5.4 seconds. The Krypton uh, AMG is between the leading Ligier and this second place Norma, and the third place Norma for that matter. 5.4 seconds was the gap, and there's a further 20 seconds before we get back to Duncan Tappy, who is under pressure, but not for much longer from Nico Schatz. France Hur, a further 5.7 seconds back, another man perfectly capable of addressing that gap. Scott Andrews doing very well at the moment in the number nine cool racing Norma, car that debuted for the team at Road to Le Mans. Have 34 minutes left, and... Uh, Got here. This is, is this the 51 and 71? It, it is, is yeah, but to, what's happened to Marco Chocci? Because he was at the wheel of that car, and did it come in again to it change must have back? Done. The, the, well, the car's done its penalty, it's, which... It cannot be Perizzini in that car. No, no, but it, the screen brief... Well, earlier on was showing Chocci, and it's now reverted back to Perizzini, but w there can't have been another driver change. So that's a glitch on our screen rather than reality. Anyway, uh, up to the first corner, the number three machine of Hugenboom getting the place bench fists at DKR Engineering in celebration of that fact oh no and it was also a disgruntled uh, Graf crew as well so with every uh, place gain a team will be very very happy but the other team very unhappy and uh, Marc-Antoine Danilou showing signs now that he won't be able to match the speed of Leonard the Dutchman 21 car is in the pits for the repair to the rear, so that will drop the 21 car right down the order. So, 79 from 3, 40, 25, that's your top four. Bergenboom, five seconds more or less dead, back from Colin Noble, who responds with his quickest lap, a 128-1. It's a 128-0 last time around from Bergenboom, so just a tenth gained. 33 minutes left. So Piccini leading GT3 for Kessel from uh, Stefano Zucchi, uh, Pazuki, I should say, for Krypton Motorsport in their Mercedes. Pazuki with a tremendous qualifying effort earlier on today. And then Maurizio Mediani completing the provisional podium in GT3. And we reckon it's still Marco Ciocci at the wheel of the 71 AF Corsa Ferrari ahead of Alessandro Baccani and then Andrea Pacini, the second of the Kessel Ferraris, is way, way down after earlier strife. Over the line goes the 71. Chocchi. And that car heading now slightly uphill towards the braking area for turn one. Brakes really do take a real punishing around this place. That's something to be mindful of during a four-hour race rather than something as relatively short as a two-hour. 
But obviously now that the pros or the slight, yeah, the quicker drivers, the silver and the gold graded drivers are at the wheel, then the car arguably is going to be more punished than it was in the opening lap. And things like engine temperature, brake temperature and tyre wear will have to be closely observed. Through turn six goes Leonard Hugenboom. And in the lead of the race, Colin Noble for Ikuria Kos Nielsen. And actually, in reaction to Hugenboom's really good laps, Colin Noble's just picked out the best middle sector of anybody there, done a 38.8, so he's pushing on on lap 51. Not the first time he's done that. He is trying to fend this off. He's gone through in a 127.8. It's the fastest lap for the number 79 car of the race. That just helps him out to the tune of three, three tenths of a second. The lead goes back up to 5.1 seconds. He's not going to make this easy, is he? Quite right, too. Two current championship leaders briefly seen on track together there with the number three LMP3 car from DKR, the Kessel Racing Ferrari, and they are just approaching Remus Corner now. Exiting that part of the track, though, is Colin Noble with the rain lights still flashing. It's another team, by the way, that's going to have a pit stop investigated after the race. OK. So, stay close to your... Uh, media streams even after this event, particularly the Michelin Le Mans Cup official website, because I, I never like seeing a, a race result changed. And sometimes that has to be done after the podium, but at the nature of motorsport, when there is so much happening all at once, some of it cannot be investigated during the race itself. We're already three quarters of the way, way into this then. The fifth race of the year, the fourth round of the Michelin Le Mans Cup then here in Austria with, after this race, just two more to go in Belgium and in Portugal. Great stuff with the two leading cars, swapping tenths in every sector, and only tenths. The other battle is developing, with still half an hour to go, is Duncan Tappy is catching the third-place Graf car. Not quickly, but he is catching him. It's 18 and a half seconds is the gap to watch at the moment. So Duncan Tappy, after that uh, win in the second Roger Le Mans race for the number 25 London Racing, they've got a taste for podium celebrations now. So let's wait and see whether or not he can just start to grind away at that. Out of Remus' corner goes Leonard Hugenboom then with half an hour left on the clock and that car in second position nearly five seconds adrift of Colin Noble so that 79 car going tremendously well at the moment Colin in the car but the man that did the opening stint is Alistair McCaig who is now in the pit lane with Charlie yeah and down here at Nielsen and Curia Cost Alistair the race looks to be going well at the moment he's pulling out quite a nice gap for you yeah Colin's going great uh, I took the first and in the wet there's uh, bloody hectic start but uh, the track dried about halfway through and it was just a case of managing the wet tyres all the way to the, the first hour and uh, it was pretty tough just finding all the wet spots on the track just to keep the tyres uh, cool Now win would be a great result for you guys have you got high hopes? There's still a, still a long way to go We've got half an hour to go it's very close We've got the championship leading DKR car behind us and uh, Hugenboom's very quick, so Colin just needs to drive a clean race and we'll see where we end up.
Good luck. Thank you. Well, the, the, the defending champions in the LMP3 Cup in the UK, both uh, Colin and Alastair, so looking to um, transpose that success into the international field and the Michelin Le Mans Cup. 3.7 seconds, that gap is yeah, coming down. It's coming down. 28 minutes remain in the race. Rather ironically, by the way, the gentleman, the, uh, the, the pit box behind uh, Alice McCabe was Colin Noble, senior. Oh, OK. I'd be slightly concerned there when uh, Junior should still be in the car, and indeed is. And flying the Ligier flag, but there are five Absolutely. Norma M30s uh, behind on the timing screen. Not quite the final Ligier bullet in the gun, but uh, there's a long way down. The next one yes. up, indeed, is seventh position for Dino Lunardi in the Motorsport 98 car. And Colin Brown and Colin beginning to come into contention in that little group. But uh, Colin Noble is not giving this up. Gritty little Scott. Like so many before him. <laughs> Quicker again through the first sector. So Colin Noble able to find speed even at this relatively late stage in the race. He's only 21 years old, but uh, a real talent for the future of prototype racing, quite possibly. And LMP3s going from strength to strength with 20 of them appearing for this round of the Michelin Le Mans Cup. There are 18 due to take part in the European Le Mans series tomorrow as well. And whether it be Ligier or Norma, uh, the category has really exploded in the last two or three years. Uh, there are more messages, this time about the 71 car abusing track limit. So that's going to be a black and white flag now, an initial yellow card, if you like, for... The 71. Yeah, the official designation black and white flag is Watch It Sunshine. Mm -hmm. We've seen you again. And if it happens again, then that's when time penalties, drive throughs will start to Indeed. come into the reckoning. Ferrari's leaving the first corner at OMV and up the hill towards Rima. So this is still the battle for third and fourth in the category with Maurizio Mediani in the lighter red Ferrari. 71 tucked in behind is, we still think, Marco Ciocci, purely because of the speed of that car. He's generally quicker than his teammate, Pier, Pier Giuseppe Perazzini, who was definitely in for the start of the race. Yep, Pier Giuseppe Perazzini, um, the archetypal gentleman driver. He's an orthopaedic surgeon of some considerable notes. And uh, I think it, when and if it gets to the stage where there's a gap up the inside, you'll see whether or not it's Marco Ciocci <laughs> or uh, Pier Giuseppe Perazzini. Yes. Um, because uh, the man from Rome, when fully committed, it's unmistakable, really. He's yeah. been driving these uh, Ferraris and uh, other GT3 machines, but mainly Ferraris, for many years. And also the GTE varieties, driven Ferrari Challenge cars in the past, too. Took, actually, um, the very first GTE Pro win in the WEC. That's a fact. In 2012. OK. Yes, we were talking about 2012 earlier on being the first proper year of the European Le Mans series, but it was also the first year of the World Endurance Championship as well, starting, as you say, in Florida. So, heading up the hill, the 25 Lannan racing car. This is still the fight for fourth position. Closing, not very quickly, but closing. In fact, um, last time around just lost a few tenths to the third position car, but that could turn around just with a little bit of traffic. And now along that straight between Remus and Rauch corner, there might be the chance to get into the slipstream. It's a reasonably long straight, but 
I use straight in rather loose terms because there's a couple of bends in it actually <laughs> and then you go downhill down to Rauch itself with the big grandstand that faces that part of the circuit great place to spectate from and there's always an opportunity to overtake there but not this time for Marco Ciocci Lawrence Herb by the way is right with uh, Duncan Tappy so is it going to be Tappy or is it going to be Lawrence Herb is going to be the man challenging for a potential podium position those two are catching but uh, no doubt about it Tappy is being caught by her yeah, the Duncan's lines look pretty neat and tidy, heading through Rint Corner and now Red Bull Mobile. And both are being caught by Scott Andrews. OK, well, that's something to look out for in the number nine cool racing car with its revised livery for this weekend. Looking uh, a little more like a Duquesne car, you could argue. And that car then running sixth ahead of Dino Lunardi, who's raced for the Duquesne team in the past, but now with Motorsport 98 car is in seventh position ahead of Colin Brown in the 32 and ninth and tenth Damien Delafosse and Matt Bell and Matt Bell marginally catching Damien Delafosse he's got about a second to try and find another very good lap through the or another very good sector through the middle part of the lap there from the 21 year old race leader Colin Noble Noble is really hanging on here he's <laughs> it's a fantastic response to the challenge from behind for a driver that was taking chunks out of the field behind him Noble saw that lead coming down has responded every single time another fastest lap of the race for the number 79 car it's a 127.822 still being caught by the odd 10th here and there it's 3.48 seconds now but uh, this is a fascinating battle. The clock continues to tick down. I'll tell you something, Johnny. If Colin Noble wins this race from this position, that will be one hell of a performance. Yeah, and a real shot in the arm for Akira Kos Nielsen. With, uh, well, both Colin and Alistair will be so buoyant heading to the next race. And, of course, that's a two-month wait after this, so almost a little bit of a summer break for the Michelin Le Mans Cup. They don't travel to Silverstone. And what a great way to finish their weekend here in Austria. This race, I have to say at the start of it, looked far from being dry this uh, late on into it. We had a, a heavy downpour at the start of the race around about 4 o'clock. Had to start it under the safety car. But now, brilliant sunshine here in Spielberg. Roughly translated into English, that means the uh, the mountain of play, by the way. Oh, really? And they, uh, they do like to have fun here in the mountains with their motorsport and uh, you can well, trace back motorsport on the Österreich ring as far back as the late 60s but before then the Austrian Grand Prix held in the base of the valley at Zeltweg airport uh, Österreich ring has changed a lot uh, from its early days to the way it is situated now the extremities were clipped and it became uh, a ring of different sorts we've had various different sponsors through the year but now owned by the Red Bull Energy Drinks Company and generates tremendous racing. It's uh, also great for spectating as well because the cars come round at such a quick intervals. It's only two and a half miles round here, and, and it's this fight for the fourth position very intriguing indeed. Two things to quickly say is first of all is the number 30 car second in this little uh, this little battle has got a black and white flag for constant use of track limits. One of the reasons why this place is so fantastic for spectators, other than it's in a beautiful part of the world, 
is the elevated position of the grandstands. Yes. So you get to see multiple corners and multiple bits of straight uh, from a single seating position. We've got Mercedes and Ferrari almost side by side now. That's the lead battle. That is the lead battle. Wow. Okay, so this is Giacomo Pacini versus Stefano Pazuki. And Pacini, they're on the same lap, aren't they? they yes, are. this, is the, this is the lead battle. They're separated by just a hundredth of a second. Also trying to get through is Duncan Tappy. Bearing in mind, Tappy's having to defend his fourth place from Laurence Herr. And the former race-leading car from CD Sports after that really good stint from Fabian Laverne. So it's all now coming to a head a little bit in both the LMP3s and the GT3 category. Fabulous stuff. This is a real moment for Duncan Tappy. Lance Hurt right there. The race leader in GT is not in a hurry to let them by. He's trying to defend his position from the Mercedes-Benz. They've got to find their own line through here. Meantime, as we watch this, with Lawrence Hurt looking up the inside but not finding a way through there, the lead battle under three seconds now. 127.8 uh, from uh, Conor Noble, but the response from Leonard Hergenboom, fastest lap of the race again on his lap. Uh, what is that? 60... 59 rather, 127.4. And they're heading for Rauch Corner now, are Colin Noble and Leonard Hugenboom, just separated by 2.8 seconds with Mark Antoine Danilou in third position. I have to say at the moment, the final podium place in LMP3 unlikely to change because Danilou has a cushion of, of uh, 19 seconds in front of him and 14 seconds behind. But that cushion is coming down, and if this resolves itself, they will be able to concentrate on that battle. Meantime, Scott Andrews is closing the gap to this pair. He's under three and a half seconds back with the two GT cars to deal with. There is Scott Andrews, just the rear of the shot behind the Mercedes-Benz. And the GT3 still dicing for the lead of the race, remember. Giacomo Pacini versus Stefano Pazuki, the two Italians in an Italian and a German car. And the Kessel Racing Ferrari here being put under pressure by the new guys. Krypton Motorsports and here comes the Mercedes up the inside into turn six a great overtake from Pazuki and to be fair to the driver of number eight Pacini gave him some racing room and didn't quite allow Pazuki through but realised the Mercedes were going to take some holding back so we've got a change in GT3 and I'm sure Pacini will not be happy with that manoeuvre and will try and get back past. He's got 17 and a half minutes in order to do so. So just to review, we've got a battle for the lead. 2.7 seconds between Colin Noble and Leonard Hergenboom. We've got the third-place car being caught by this battling pair, battling away for fourth position, 0.3 of a second uh, between them, and with Scott Andrews now being dealt with the GT traffic four seconds back from that. Uh, then Colin Brown is uh, on terms now for seventh position in the number 98 cars. We've got a clash there between the 65 draft car, double clash in, indeed, and the uh, the uh, Legazi panel is arrived there. So, yeah. so we've got a battle with uh, Colin Brown about to deal with Dino Leonardi by the look of things. Matt Bell is just four seconds back with James Littlejohn in the tenth place of Courier cost number two, uh, Ligier. It, we have to go back to 11th place not to find the car actually in an active battle. Tremendous stuff, and, uh, well, not for the first time. One of these bullets is now being dragged along by a thread, and these uh, LMP3 cars uh, are very uh, uh, cleverly built. They're always very strong machines, but that's the little vulnerable bit of bodywork at the rear. It doesn't take much of a tag from a competitor to pull that loose. And that will need to be seen to now in the next pit or well, the next pit stop. There has to be one. This is the lead battle. 16 minutes to go now. It's under two seconds. 
It was a slightly slower lap from Colin Noble, a 129 to a 127.9 from Leonard Hergenboom. That's the first time since this battle commenced that that's been a convincing difference between the two of them. It's been a slow, slow catch of the leader from Leonard Hergenboom. Still, we've got this battle between the 51 and 71 Ferraris. Mediani ahead of, we believe, Ciocci. Yep, so silver-rated driver ahead of gold with Ciocci trying to find the opening. He's been sitting there in the wheel tracks of Mediani, though, for the bulk of this stint. And Laurent Hur has been getting closer and closer to Duncan Tappy. At the moment, though, Duncan Tappy looks like he's got the measure on him as the Motorsport 98 car. Goes no, for a no, spin. No, no that's, that's, that's the 20, isn't it? 20. The DB Autosport machine. So the DB Autosport car driven by uh, Marlini spinning at the first corner and was pretty close to... Now, who was he battling with? James Littlejohn, possibly? Not close to anybody other than on track. That was not a battle for position. Position, fine. OK. And that's taken that car seven extra seconds through the first sector as Morlini needed to recover. 51 versus 70. Whoa, there's more contact this time for Marco Ciocci, and that was LMP3 on GT3. That's the 23 car. That's the second bit of contact for the last three laps for that car. That is Christian England. A bit of a torrid time at the moment after delays earlier. That car off the track earlier in the race, wasn't it? Yes. Required recovery to the service road. Rejoined. The good thing for Christian is that it didn't involve the rear part of the car, so both of the uh, the cheese wedges should be fully intact to the end of the race. The gap has come down from about four and a half seconds to the leader now to less than a second. Leonard Hugenboom pressing the, the extra boost button here, in his mind at least. <laughs> not suggesting there's anything in no, the No, 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 no. Of course not, but <laughs> no. it is a Ligier-Norma battle so great to have the two manufacturers on a par, it would seem, this weekend. Certainly when Colin Noble drives the Ligier anyway. Colin Noble, four-tenths slower in the first sector than the Challenger and uh, two-tenths quicker in the second sector. It's been like this throughout this battle. It's been absolutely brilliant. And how frustrated is Marco Ciocci at the moment, having to make room for LMP3 cars when he really wants to be getting stuck in to Maurizio Mediani. I'm not saying that this will decide the battle for third position, but the two Italians have been nose to tail, lap after lap, and the difficulty is they come up against an LMP3 car, which is so much better through the corners and into the braking area, and Ciocci's got to kind of allow room for these P3s. And that's spoiling the battle for third place in GT3. Fastest lap of his race again for Colin Noble. 127.6 for Noble, but it's a 127.3 for the chasing car. That's the, the battle for the lead between the 79 Curry Cost Nielsen car. 21-year-old Scott, Colin Noble, fending off Leonard Hergenboom in the double race winning number three D-car engineering Norma. Turning right at the first corner, Duncan Tappy, Laurence Hoer tucked in behind Scott Andrews just 4.3 seconds away in the cool racing car number 9 so 25, 30 and 9 could finish in a very different order when we get to the end of this Mark Antoine Danilou is still being caught by those three cars as well but will probably run out of time to get anywhere close to the number 40 car driven by the Frenchman 
64 laps. This is lap 64, 63 in the book, and 0.7 of a second is the gap. First to second, Noble to Hugenboom. Continue to watch, though, the fourth place battle. Yeah. So through the turn six goes the fight for Lannan and CD Sport and fourth place. The Brook Speed LMP3 now is just about clear of the two Ferraris. There's a third Ferrari there, but I reckon that's Andrea Piccini, who sadly isn't on the same lap as Mediani and uh, Marco Ciocci. 38 again, tries to find a way up the inside of the number 25, but uh, Duncan Tappy's wise to that. Now, across the top of the circuit, Colin Noble and Leonard Hugenboom are separated by only 0.4 of a second. This is lap 65. I don't think the cars are going to be close enough heading into the right-hander at round the corner. They're the same order, but it is at the 79, driven by Scotsman Colin Noble, ahead of Dutch driver Leonard Hugenboom. And remember, it's Hugenboom and Jens Pettersson who've won all of the two-hour races so far this year. It's been a fantastic defence for what? Well, better part of this stint from Colin Noble managing as best he can the gap to what is clearly a quicker package here in the Norma. Evidenced by the fact that the next five cars behind him are all Normas. But a great opening stint from Alistair McCaig, followed up by this stint from Colin Noble, has made a real race of this. He's not giving this up. Edges a first tenth away, it's six tenths of a second now. The fact that we're measuring it in tenths is a measure of the intensity of this battle. Three Ferraris coming up the hill towards Remus, but concentrate on the first two, the lighter red and the darker red uh, coloured cars. One is a spirit of race entry, one is for AF Corsa, and the overall leaders are very close to one another. They're also pretty close to catching up to this uh, trio of prancing horses. That's going to be a very interesting series of moments, isn't it? And it's not four tenths anymore, it's two tenths. And now it's all about grit, now it's all about racecraft, now it's all about, do you watch Hedy, watch the mirrors? Colin Noble's gone a little wide, is that the moment that Leonard Hergenboom needs? I think it is. He's got the line for the next corner, can he make it through? He can, he oh, can. Not quite, because Noble goes later on the brakes into turn six, and I think if he arrived at the apex of that corner, he should be able to cover that move off, which he did. I Heading through Noble. lap. Oh, you meant Noble, OK. <laughs> well, Hugenboom went for the move. He marginally had the lead, but uh, Colin Noble fended him off. It's, uh, this is a great battle. This is a cracking lead battle in an LMP3 race, and it's coming good, the Le Mans Cup this year, the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Four yep. tenths it was past the last timing beam. And don't forget the three Ferraris up ahead. You can discount the dark blue car, the 77. That's not on the lead lap in GT3. But the other two cars, Mediani versus Marco Ciocci, still battling for third and fourth positions. So the final step on the podium with Krypton Motorsport starting to now boss this category. Stefano Pazuki enjoying a one and a half second lead over Giacomo Piccini. Nine minutes to go. Nine minutes for the Ligier versus Norma battle to be determined. Well, a lap later than the, the, uh, the big 
almost overtake. What's going to happen this time? Well, Colin Noble struggled through the corner. There's almost a change of position between the two Ferraris as well. This is like a carbon copy of what happened in LMP3 a lap ago, though, because surely Pacini can run deeper into the corner and fend Ciocci off. Yes, he can, but it's an outside-inside trick here from Marco Ciocci. The Roman will get the place, I reckon, this time into the louder corner and behind. What's happening? The problem is, while this is going on, the Kessel car's watching what's going on. He's not looking at his mirrors. He's got the leader right behind him. So three Ferraris totally together, 77 Andrea Pacini, although as fast as the two red Ferraris, isn't in the hunt. He's got a whole lap to try and catch up on these two red mach machines. Now Alistair McKaig has bought, sorry, uh, Colin Noble has bought himself a bit of real estate here. Has the cushion of at least one GT3. Hulkenberg made the move, made Did the he? move coming into the turns. They're still going to be together coming to finish the lap. This is gawking stuff. Seven and a half minutes to go. It's not done yet. They clear the second of the Ferraris. They're nose to tail. Just the 71 car now to deal with. And they're back into clear air. Colin Noble, I don't know how, as somehow still in the lead of this race. Three tenths of a second ahead of Leonard Hulkenboom. Ross Warburton would do well to just sort of pull over here and allow all of these cars through because <laughs> Ross is the next car that they will have to negotiate. 67 laps in the book. We've still got seven minutes of this to enjoy. And did Chochi finally make that move? Yes, he did. Yes, he and did. now he's romping away, isn't he? That's because the, uh, the, uh, the other Ferrari went way wide uh, into Turn 1, has not recovered that ground. Hergenboom now is looking for the opportunity. Managing traffic very well at the moment, though, Colin Noble. Chochi's seen both of them. Takes the inside on again. Belize continues to lead. Yep. And remember, Colin Noble's already had contact with a car earlier on in the race. That was with the 99 Alain Costa machine. We didn't hear any other news on that, so the suggestion is it's been examined already, but there are, well, there's quite a long list of things to be checked at the end of the race as well. And I think the latest message we got on that incident, 79 and 99, was it will be looked into at the I end of the after race? After the race, yes. I think that's right. But clearly Colin Noble not carrying any damage on the front of his no. car because it's showing tremendous speed. There's no change in these positions either, being Duncan Tappy ahead of Laurence Hurt. As the leaders reach turn one, oh, and Ross Warburton's way wide. He lost the car briefly. Now, as the uh, two behind pick up the pieces, Hugenboom has to go to driver's left, Colin Noble to driver's right, and all of a sudden Ross Warburton was caught between them. They're side by side climbing up the hill into Remus Corner, but I don't think Hugenboom's going to get the opportunity to turn in. Colin Noble again manages to keep the Dutchman at uh, not an arm's length, a hand's length, probably. Fabulous, fabulous stuff here at the Red Bull Ring. Uh, five and a half minutes to go in this two-hour epic uh, Michelin Le Mans Cup race. Uh, Colin Noble still fending off Leonard Hergenboom. We've said before, I'll say it again, he has been the four man in this championship. And yet, and yet, BRDC rising star, 21-year-old Colin Noble, has been fending off the DCAR engineering car in what's been the drive of his life thus far for the 79 car. Excellent, excellent stuff. Whatever happens from here on in, this has been a brilliant, brilliant battle. Fought beautifully and cleanly by two excellent young men. Yeah, and Alistair McKay, tremendous opening stint as well to set this up nicely for the Curia Cost Nielsen. I wonder how Sven's dealing with all of this on the pit wall. Probably very calmly indeed. He gives very little away to Sven, the team manager over the line then with four and three quarter minutes still on the clock and there was no opportunity for Leonard Hugenboom to get through on that lap so on to lap 70 we go 
And still tap, tap, tapping on the door here. Laurence Heard to try and force an error from Duncan Tappy. The problem for Laurence is mistakes from Tappy are like hen's teeth. You'll be very, very hard pushed to find one. Four minutes, 20 seconds remaining. Here's the lead battle. Colin Noble trying to cover off every possible move all at the same time. That's quite a difficult thing to do. But this has been a rapid exit at the front of the race from this pair. 26 seconds ahead now of the Graf Racing Car, who, by the way, has effectively held off the battling pair with what saw so much of Duncan Tapia and Ron Thur. Uh, Scott Andrews not out of this yet, just 2.8 seconds behind the pair of them and catching again. Still watching Colin Brown, by the way, who's now on terms with Dino Lonardi for seventh position. So there's position still to be fought out here. And something's happened in the GT3 category because it's not a Mercedes leading anymore, I notice. Krypton Motorsport tumbling back down to fourth position. Has that, has, been, there. has that been a mistake for Pazuki somewhere along the line? So oh, a, lunge, a lunge there, and there's contact. There's contact that was way too far back from the number 30 car. Lance Her, that was he's lucky there, he didn't get beached as well. Yes. We've got a message on the screen. We noticed this as the cars came down the start-finish straight. The number three is not showing its rain light. Let's watch this again. That way too far back. That was never going to be on. Hur hurling his CD sport car up the inside at Rauch corner. And in the end, well, Tappy had to go through the gravel. He was sort of nerfed in that direction. And the one that came off worse, far worse, was Laurence Hur, who nearly, as you say, dropped the rear wheels fully into the gravel. And there might have been no, no escape there. Thankfully, and Duncan Tappy wasn't really in with a chance of catching um, the... Now, what's happened to Lannan? Because has that car now just it's dropped back it's in the gravel, isn't it? It's no, Duncan Tappy has dropped back. Scott Andrews has taken fourth position as a result of that. I yeah. think I think Tappy's got some damage. Yeah, and he's still there in sixth position, but was fourth for a long time. I was about to say there was no real chance of that car getting third. So hopefully it could stay and not have lost a position, but it has lost a place to, as you say, Scott Andrews, entirely the innocent party. But Laurence Hur rejoined quicker than Duncan Tappy too. All of a sudden, by the way, two tenths has become nine tenths. Has Leonard Herkenboom used the best of his Michelins, or is he saving the best till the very, very last couple of laps here? Two more laps, I reckon, at this pace for these guys. Yeah. Yeah, they're getting round in just under 90 seconds, and on that lap, faster than anybody else through the middle sector was Colin Noble, but Leonard Hugenboom's middle sector wasn't too shabby either. Closing, closing, after a much, much better run through turn one from the number three car. Half a second at the start of this lap. Graham reckons 73 in total. This is the start of lap 72 then. Up to Remus they go. There's traffic ahead as well, and quite a lot of it. This is not done yet. Yet again, a Michelin Le Mans Cup race serves up something in the dying moments. Marvellous, marvellous stuff. Fastest first sector of the race from the DKR engineering car of Leonard Hergenboom and four tenths quicker in that sector than the car is chasing down. So Into the final minute, Johnny. Yes, and they'll get round to complete this lap and... Yeah, that will be then the final lap running because they can't uh, do a lap quicker than 50 seconds. So this is the penultimate run into Louder Corner and then first Alpine. And 
the run over the slight rise and the dip down into Rint Corner. Noble versus Hugenboom has been a tremendous watch. It might not be done yet either, because down the hill in towards the deep compression corner at turn 10, they come. Sadly, the battle of fourth uh, all came to a very much ahead at Rauch Corner, and now Scott Andrews inheriting that spot in the cool racing machine, car number nine. Lawrence Hur slotting into fifth place, and Duncan Tappy the big loser in it all. But up ahead of the overall leaders is the GT3 leader, and it is Giacomo Puccini. So a bit of post-race investigation for us to do to find out what on earth happened to that Mercedes AMG that was leading. Now, what do the overall leaders do about Piccini? Thankfully, he stays off the racing line, although a very good run from Leonard Hugenboom. Is it enough? Out of Remus' corner, the two leaders in LMP3. This is Ligier versus Norma. Oh, very close indeed. Oh, being forced to towards the two grass. Two touches. More crap. Both more. off. Yes, they are. Oh. And this is at Rauch corner on the final lap. Why did it have to end like that? After we were treated to such uh, an epic race. Squeeze to the other, to, to the inside. There's then a second and a third touch to the number 79 and a fourth. Mm. And that left Colin Noble nowhere to go. Physical. Well, one man that's very happy is Jens Pettersen. No. And then there was a gap there, and Colin Noble was trying to squeeze it with the two cars overlapping. That was the problem. But then again, he's battled for the best part of an hour for that place. You're not just going to give it up. But he was also expecting Leonard Hugenboom to get out of the throttle, something the Dutchman was never going to do. I have a funny feeling that's going to be investigated after the race. It will be it's indeed. It's under investigation now, Car in fact. Car three over the line to take the chequered flag. As is least A provisional win, and Giacomo Piccini finishing his race on exactly the same part of the track, but a couple of laps down from the LMP3 leader. And that's left a sour taste in our mouths yeah. I would say because After a massively it was brilliant up till then 45 minutes of great clean racing this car catching 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 Colin Noble watching that, I'm sure getting some great information from the team about what was happening with that gap they came together with 20 minutes plus of this race left yeah. utterly clean absolutely marvellous stuff and um, sorry Jens I'm not sure I feel the same way about that that's at this stage let's wait and see no further action, no further action from race control on that incident. Well, there you go, it's decided, and we thought we might get a different winner from a two-hour Michelin Le Mans Cup race, but in fact, the full points, the 25, go the way of that man, Jens Pettersson, and of Leonard Hugenboom, who left it late, left it to the final lap, and I almost thought at one point Colin Noble had done enough. It's just because they stumbled over Giacomo Puccini on the final tour, and I don't think any fault at the at the door of Puccini because he managed to get the car, no. I'd say, off the racing no, he line. Did, he did brilliantly to go the corner at some point, he, didn't he? He did brilliantly to, to give them whatever space was available. Not absolutely no way Puccini was in any way. It did compromise the line, but there's nothing else he could do. No, and the, just the natural concertina effect then between Colin Noble and Leonard Hugenboom, who got the better run over the top of the circuit between Remus and Rauch Corner. Let's fill in the other positions then, because Colin Noble did get out of the gravel and reasonably quickly to still finish in second position, but in the end, 19 and a half seconds adrift of the DKR Engineering Norma. So 79 was second. Third position for the 40 car, the Mark Anton Danilou-driven graph machine that he shares with Adrian Schiller. 
Fourth place was the number nine cool racing car of Scott Andrews with a, a good drive from the Australian. He, he shares that car with Jerry Kraut. And in fifth position, CD Sport, Laurence Hur also having contact with Duncan Tappy down at Rauch or up at Rauch Corner. That's been the scene of uh, many incidents during this race. GT3s won by the Castle Racing Squad, so more points for the championship leaders. Just another opportunity to revisit this incident at Rauch Corner. No further action, we will remind you. Several bits of contact, though. And the real downside was for Colin Noble because he ran out of road basically after that contact. And Did come up second, track. we should uh, make yeah. clear. Oh, yes, absolutely. And uh, it's still good points for a courier cost Nielsen, but I'm not sure the team will see it that way just at this point. Kessel Racing, though, as I say, win GT3, so championship leaders with another 25 points. AF Corsa in there, number 71, Ferrari finishing in second. And the Spirit of Race, Ferrari 488, finishing in third position. What happened to the Mercedes, though? Because that car's looked good all weekend and was leading, but Krypton Motorsport just falling short of a podium in the end after a good initial performance from both Stefano Pazuki and Marco Zanutini, who started that race. Wow. There is Giacomo Puccini uh, with uh, a furrowed brow. Warm work out in the rain and the sunshine here at Austria. We've never let, let, lost the ambient temperature, it should be noted. Leonard Hugenboom will be grinning from ear to ear after that result. Uh, we, we're, we're still a slightly kind of uh, unsure what happens to Grips on Motorsports yeah. uh, AMG. I can tell you, Johnny, its final lap was 14 seconds off the pace. It lost a minute uh, somewhere, and mm. I suspect it hit some kind of woe they knew they couldn't fix, and they just drove for the finish. But unfortunately for them... After leading and leading well, we'll finish off the podium. DKR Engineering with a third victory of the year then. 73 laps completed and win it by nearly 20 seconds. But that is not necessarily the tail of the tape because we had uh, nose-to-tail action for 45 minutes between Hugenboom and Colin Noble, who eventually finishes in second ahead of Mark on Mark Antoine Danilou and Scott Andrews. CD Sport, the pole sitters, finish in fifth position ahead of Lannan Racing's Norma. Duncan Tappy and Mike Benham. Seventh position for Motorsport 98 and eighth place for United Autosports. But we need to get reaction now with Charlie George from the race winners. Well, Jens, that was a nail-biting end to that race, to say the very least. But congratulations, another win for DKR. Thank you so much. Yeah, we are very happy because that was so important for the championship. And it was really a difficult race. As we all know, it started to, to rain in front of the race. And yeah, we had to decide about the strategy. And our decision was to go for a fully dry setup because we saw uh, it would dry after the driver change. So for me, it was quite difficult, especially when it dried up because the car was sliding a lot. And uh, I decided not to take too many risks because we were thinking about the championship. And uh, main goal was to bring the car home in one piece. Yeah, and then he had a perfect car, I think, and he pushed a lot. Thank you. Thank you. So Jens Pettersen, the German racer, we don't travel to Germany as part of the Michelin Le Mans Cup, so it might almost call the Austrian round a bit of a home affair. And the DKR engineering crew from Luxembourg, Jens Pettersen, German, and Leonard Hugenboom from the Netherlands. And there's also much conversation down in the GT3 land as well, but uh, the smiles will emerge from the Kessel racing crew 
in a few moments' time. There was a gap running down to Rauch corner, but Colin Noble was desperate to try and get the car across the road. But it was just that Leonard Hugenboom's nose was there, and I couldn't see the Dutchman backing out of it. Likewise, I couldn't really see Colin Noble not closing the door either. And mm. it's been labelled as a racing incident by the uh, clerk of the course, Eduardo Freitas, and they've looked back on that. Some of it might be viewed that it's the last lap and everyone's going for it, but not a decision for us to make. Let's get some reaction from the GT3 world now with Charlie George. Well, Giacomo, congratulations. Third win of the season for Castle Racing. Yeah, it was, was amazing. The guys did an amazing job. It was a very tough race. Uh, Sergio today did a fantastic stint with the drive-through. was really, really tough, but he managed to, to drive well, not to make a mistake, and to give me the car in a great position. Then I could overtake Choshi, then they also had a drive-through, then the Mercedes came, which was really, really fast. I didn't want to take any risk, but then they had a problem, so we are first again, and that's great. Congratulations to Sergio, to the team, and to all. Thanks. Congratulations, guys. Thank you. Sergio Pianazzola, Giacomo Puccini doing a tremendous job for maximum points once again, and their championship continues apace after a really good start to the year for Kessel Racing. Car number eight will stay top of the shop then, heading to Spa in Belgium in two months' time. And uh, that will be the negative part of this, I suppose. Puccini and Pianazzolo will be desperate for another race uh, to continue this good form. And really, I mean, this goes to show, doesn't it, that you can't just pick up a race result at the end of a day and say, oh, well, that, that just went with form again. Hugen Boom and Pettersson. Oh, one, one, one by 20 seconds. One by 20 seconds looks like a cakewalk. That was a brilliant... Yeah. Uh, that what, was br you, yeah, what, have the, what have your views and what have you seen and you've heard? Brilliant race this afternoon. Yeah. Race. And there'll be many, there'll be many different views of uh, what happened in that that final corner or Rauch on the final lap. But uh, I have to say, the start of the race feels like a world away. This was on four o'clock on the dot with the, the rain hammering down and visibility at a real minimum. But the race directing crew persevered, said, "We'll run a couple of laps behind the safety car, and then you're out on your own a little bit." And it was a case of survival for the first few laps. But the rain, I think pretty much at this point, had stopped. Windscreen wipers still working overtime, though, to clear the spray. And there was some initial contact on the opening exchanges between the Porsche number 88 and the 71 Ferrari. There were also some pit stops out of sequence as well, with many teams realising they wouldn't make the, the regular pit stop window at 55 minutes, purely because they started on wet weather tyres, and those wet weather tyres were getting very, very warm indeed battling early on between the 79 and the 3 and that was a, a tale of things to come in about 90 minutes time there was also a tremendous move from Alex Capardia at the inside of the 99 car and also a wayward graph machine number 40 but Alex Capardia a superstar in the opening stint as he so often is and we learnt during the race that that's a decision often taken by RLRM Sport so that Ross Warburton can do the second part of the stint when uh, it's slightly less busy there was contact at the first corner when Tony Wells went for a move up the inside of uh, the graph car again of Adrian Schiller. And then a spin for John Ferrano, nearly hooking up with his teammate Alex Capardia that time. Ferrano just a bit too high up the road at Remus Corner where grip was at a premium. Pit stop early doors for the Mercedes-AMG that would lead the class in the GT3s. 
later on in the race. There was also some side-by-side -side action again at Remus with contact between 79 and the 99. So Colin Noble, an action-packed race, considering he was only in the car for a little under an hour. And Krypton Motorsport did lead the GT3s. There was some late drama, though, that will be unearthed after we probably go off air, actually. But uh, we will get the news eventually about what happened to the number 35 car the promising thing is that the mercedes is showing speed it was also uh, a heart in mouth moment for the two leaders as they encountered slower traffic and then it all came to a head this was sort of the race being decided at rauch corner but we'd had such clean racing up until this point and on the final lap leonard hugenboom thinking he got the run on colin noble noble desperate to hold him back and the two meeting in the middle at Rauch Corner resulted in Colin Noble having to go through the gravel Leonard Hugenboom probably carrying a bit of damage as well but uh, he got the car home and across the line to win by just under 20 seconds but that really doesn't demonstrate what a tremendous battle we had and if Akuria Kost-Nielsen can show that pace in the remaining two races then it really shows that DKR Engineering are not going to have it their own way for the rest of the year. The danger, of course, for the 79 crew is that the number three's already earned enough points, too many points, to be caught. We'll have a look at the championship standings in a moment or two. In fact, right now, with GT3 still headed by the number eight crew of Giacomo Puccini and Sergio Pianazzola, 86 points then. That gives them a 21-point lead over Christoph Ulrich and Maurizio Mediani, who finish in third position in this race. 60 points for Marco Ciocci and Pierre Giuseppe Perazzini. And we are still pretty confident that it was Marco... In fact, that's now been changed. Marco Ciocci did finish in second position doing the second stint in car 71. So Ciocci and Perazzini will feature on the second step of the GT3 podium. We'll confirm the points to you in a moment in the LMP3s as well. Yeah, and in the background, the shot there, that's uh, closer to us is Alistair McCaig and uh, Colin Noble. Body language on this podium is going to be interesting. Isn't it just something that you've kind of just got to get through, I suppose? Absolutely. And the best way to do it is just shake the hand just do it. and yep. move away. Yeah. There's much conversation between those at Graf and DKR Engineering. The conversation between DKR and Akuria Kos might be a little more muted, shall we say. So, in reverse order, the podium finishers in the LMP3s being called to the podium. First of all, then, congratulations to Adrian Schiller and to Marc-Antoine Danilou to the far step of the podium. And there are two trophies and two bottles of champagne waiting. Fairly glum looks on Colin Noble and Alistair McCaig's faces. They'll be grateful for the points once they get back to the hotel this evening and look back on the weekend, I think, as a real success. And they've turned a, a massive corner, having succeeded in the UK in the LMP3 Cup and bringing that speed regularly now to the Michelin Le Mans Cup. But the winners being Leonardo Hugenboom and Jens Pettersson. Handshakes offered and received. I'm pleased to say, or, well, not between Hugenboom and Noble, though. No. Might have been predicted. Uh, but they are now hand shaking hands with those at Graf. And it is the Luxembourgish national anthem we will hear once again with those drivers on top of the podium. But the team is DKR Engineering.
So they're the national anthem for Luxembourg and the French tricolor together with the Union flag displayed above the podium. And Colin Noble and Alice McKay just processing what's happened in the last two hours. I then genuinely think they will be happy once it all sinks in. But that's not the end of the race they I'm wanted. not so sure that's going to be true of Colin Noble. That looks like a very, very, very annoyed young man. And well, hey-ho. Racing incidents is what it's been called as. That's how we deal with it at this point. Yeah. He accepts the trophy with grace. And Alistair McKaig slightly more engaging with the podium presenter. Jens Pettersson and Leonard Hugenboom will get their trophies in a moment or two. There's also a team representative from DKR Engineering. But what can we say about DKR continuing where they Absolutely. left off in 2017 with a tremendous almost runaway championship win in the drivers and the team's championship. And they're continuing again. Didn't get on brilliantly well at Le Mans week, but in the meet at the sort of bread and butter part of the season, there's barely a blot on the copybook. The very smart Red Bull Ring trophies held aloft briefly for the photographs. A warm crowd beneath as well, mainly because they are DKR engineering mechanics, I think. Uh, but well done also, and we shouldn't overlook this, Adrian Schiller and Mark antoine Danilou, who get another podium in their number 40, Graf Norma. So Ligier doesn't quite win it, but it does finish second. It's the Norma M30 from DKR engineering, though, that are victorious for the third time this year. And seven bottles of champagne are liberally sprayed now on the fifth podium of the year two more to come in october and in september and october i should say there is colin noble uh, he's had happier days now first thing to say is no weaving he, he went to defend the position yeah and then you get into the debate what's what was a racing incident what wasn't it's been called as a racing incident it was and there was clearly no handshake there between Leonard and Colin. I think if Colin had decided to defend the place just a split second earlier, he might have got away with it. But that's the points anyway in LMP3. 88 to Pettersson and Hugenboom with a full 25 going their way. Alistair McKay and Colin Noble, the half point comes from the Le Mans races. So 41 and a half for the Scotsman. And uh, it's possibly between just those cars now. Laurence Hur has changed co-drivers several times, but he's earned himself 24 points through the course of the year. Jot van Uten, a thought for the Dutchman, because that could have been a really good stint yep, for Jot. Disaster for them. Disaster. Wheel off on the, on the outlap after the pit stop. So a real shame for uh, that crew, I'm afraid to say. And the rest of the points, Sean Rahal, Alexandre Kwani, a lot of these drivers were actually uh, only taking part in the uh, in the Le Mans races, 255-minute affairs. Points do show the level of dominance to this point of the season for the DKR engineering team. Do wonder, though, whether it also shows us the form book here, whether or not we've reached a turning point. It doesn't look like it's going to be very easy from this point on as we get to the next podium, the GT3 podium. Yeah, so, so in third position from the 51 crew, it's Christoph Ulrich and Maurizio Mediani. Yeah, Giuseppe Perazzini appearing without Marco Ciocci. 
which is interesting because of course Chochi was missing on the timing screen at times so is there a reason why we didn't see Chochi for the full affair or has he just had to go elsewhere nevertheless it's Kessel Racing who take maximum points in the GT3 category so congratulations to Giacomo Puccini and Sergio Pianazzola and we will now hear the national anthem of Switzerland for Kessel Racing here at the Red Bull Ring. So Kessel Racing victorious again, but I'm slightly concerned that we haven't got Marco Ciocci on the second step yeah. of that podium. Rather odd. It might be then that uh, Pier Giuseppe Perazzini did the lion's share of that race. I think that's okay as per the regulations for his championship points, but uh, it will mean that Marco wouldn't get any points because he hadn't done the prerequisite 55 minutes. That's all to be I think decided. Marco was in the car and... He's down as finishing yeah. the race certainly but he did go missing on the timing screen for a stint that we were expecting him to be in the car for um, so yeah a little bit of mystery around that but Perizzini's there to receive one trophy and, and the other and the other trophy on behalf of Marco Ciocci and I'm sure he'll get it back to the man from Rome in due course there's a whole range of reasons why it might be he may have actually been taken on well after that race that's that's happened in the past uh, we've also had uh, the odd driver miss the podium for one of the random drug tests the FIA uh, and the drug uh, agencies actually put in at the end of international races. So if there's any reason, any number of perfectly reasonable reasons why not, we'll find out and we'll let you know on our social media channels. But champagne's going to be sprayed. Pierre Giuseppe Perazzini doesn't fancy getting wet at this stage of the afternoon, but the other four guys do. And congratulations to uh, those at Kessel Racing then. Two Ferraris that the Kessel team of Switzerland brought. One of them, I'm afraid, the 77, uh, having a bit of a disastrous event. But the number eight car making up for it with another 25 points going their way. And well done to... Maurizio Mediani, who provided a really good race, actually, with Marco Ciocci, if indeed it was him. Mediani and Christoph Ulrich uh, finishing on the third step of the podium. 71 points, then, total for Kessel Racing. Uh, sorry, 71 laps, rather, completed for the Kessel Racing crew, and they win their race by 16 seconds in the GT3 category, and that's just a second in front of the 51 machine of Mediani and his teammate Ulrich. So this is the way of the points then in the team's championship. Kessel Racing lead by 21 from Spirit of Race. Uh, just a five-point gap back to AF Corsa. The other Kessel car is fourth in the championship ahead of the EB Motors Porsche and the 50 Kessel Racing Ferrari that wasn't in action this weekend. In the team's championship in LMP3, it is DKR Engineering on top and by a significant margin, over double the amount of points now of anybody else. Ikuria cost Nielsen second. Graffoth third with their number 40 car, 37 points for those guys. And the number two Ikuria cost car is currently fourth in the championship. And then a lot of the teams outside the top ten simply turned out for the Road to Le Mans events and aren't necessarily signed up 
for the full season. Need to see a few more points for Brookspeed, if possible. Just two to their name so far. 25th in the championship. TKS are now done for the rest of the year, but they may return in future seasons and win motorsports. Ultimate, they were all one-off appearances during the Le Mans week. We may also get another championship table for... No, big one. We've now dealt with all the points, and they can be checked online, of course, as well. But uh, many talking points to entertain us for the next two months, really, in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. That's the length of time we have to wait until we get to Spa in Belgium for the fifth of six races through the course of the year. My thanks to Graham Goodwin for uh, various bits of advice he needed to give me through an action-packed race. We had to seek the regulations at certain points as well. And that's the beauty of the Michelin Le Mans Cup. We never quite know where it's going to go next. From Graham and from Johnny Palmer, it's bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.